Hey guys, it's Jessica. And this is Kendra. Welcome to Lucid Lab. Hi. <laughs> we have a special guest today. Yep, my little girl. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> this is the first time that we're having to actually do it with her here. Yes. So she wanted to say hello. I'm going to go put her to bed. Yeah, and then we'll <laughs> then we'll get back to this, <laughs> and then we'll start talking things that little kids probably shouldn't listen to. <laughs> no, nope. we'll be waiting until she's sound asleep. Yes, so mini break. So I'm coming back from my first business trip in five years. Yeah, and it was a crazy trip. It was a long one. <laughs> we it included some overnights because we were doing some video shoots for our products, and we had to do that at night. And so I had very little sleep. Yeah. And you had some trouble. Well, not you. You didn't have trouble getting back. I didn't. But I was in Orlando and I don't know, I guess a lot of you guys have heard there's a hurricane out there called Hurricane Lee and it's kicking up all kinds of bad weather. And I got out, thankfully. I actually took an earlier flight because the weather was moving in. And I literally got out and the people that I was traveling with, they had to fly back to California. They were getting on a plane 15 minutes after I did. And (laughs) we took off and the pilot came on and said, hey, there's some really bad weather. We're going to have to take a different route because we don't want to hit these storms. And we could see the lightning and everything out of the plane. Mm -hmm. And then the people that I was with, they left 15 minutes later and they were on the plane about to take off. And the pilot came on and said, we've all been grounded. And they had to get off their plane. Oh, no. And they ended up not getting home until the next day. They ended up spending the night. So I'm very fortunate that I got home because (laughs) I was kind of tired of the heat and humidity in Orlando. I'm not used to that living in Colorado. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not. That is not my place to be. No. Florida is not the place to be right now with that hurricane. And I heard that it's just going to keep getting bigger and bigger over the next couple weeks. Well, it had built up to a Category 5. And then they said, oh, it's getting better. But then I read this morning uh, that it's getting worse again. And now it could even hit New York City. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which New York City hasn't had a hurricane hit in forever and ever. I saw someone with a video and they're showing that it's like going to merge with another system. Oh, God, I didn't see that. And that's why it's becoming like this super Super thing. Super monster hurricane. It might actually be really bad. So Florida's not the place to be. So no more traveling to Florida. So I'm going to stay in Colorado (laughs) because do you know that Colorado, when they did like a scale of the safest places to be in the United States from natural disaster, Colorado is like in the top two or something. Yeah, I get it. So we're going to stay here safe. Yep. All we really have are wildfires and we get tornadoes here and there, but nothing compared to a hurricane or, oh my God, did you see Morocco? I didn't. There was an earthquake in Morocco and it killed over 2,000 people in Marrakesh, which is like a big city. They haven't had an earthquake of this size in 120 years. And it killed 2,000 people instantly. It was like in the middle of the night and it was in Marrakesh, which is like their historic area. So it demolished all these buildings that have been there for years and years. And they said there were another over 2,000 people critically injured. So it's really, really bad. I just... I feel like every day we open the news and there's some new like, yeah, like I've said on several of the episodes, <laughs> it's like unprecedented events every day. And it's it really feels again. like the end time some days. It does. And there's a lot predicted for just the month of September. Like what? Like st- I, conspiracy type stuff? Yeah, there oh, is. Shit. So 
No. <laughs> I'm not going to say anything right now, but I've seen a lot and I'm like just kind of sitting and waiting to be like, well, if it happens, We're I saw in Colorado. This, <laughs> I saw this meme that's been going around. It says you need to tell your conspiracy theory friends you're sorry <laughs> because <laughs> every, coming everything's happening now. <laughs> and you said they were crackpots. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And here we are. We are here. I'm glad to be back in the studio after traveling. It was great, honestly, to get out of the office for a week. And I got to meet some new people, some new yeah. partners that we're working with. And I'm looking forward to, like I said, I've got this new role at my company. It's really turned a point for me. Yeah. I'm still obviously way more dedicated to the podcast, but at least, <laughs> yeah. you know, the job is like, don't get wool pull. <laughs> don't over you worry, Jess. I am not honey. going anywhere. Next year, you won't love it as much. I know. But... <laughs> It feels good to, you know, because we all have to work and make money. Yeah. At least the job that's paying that me right like now it. is yeah. better than how I felt when we started this podcast right. I don't know, six months ago. Yeah. And that's the thing. Sometimes we get like stuck in our just the routine of life with what you're doing with family and work. And I just always bring myself back to this isn't sustainable, though. No, I don't trust a single person that I've worked for, sadly, because it's always ended up being something else one way or another. And the only person that I could really trust to push my future forward is me. That's true. You know, because a company can say they love you all they want. Yeah. But when it comes down to the dollars, they're going to lay exactly. you off. Exactly. Just like anyone else. Mm -hmm. And I'm very aware of that. Yeah. I think this whole newer, younger millennial and Gen Z, you know, they say we don't want to work. It's like, no, we are just lucid. <laughs> we are just awake to the fact that companies don't care about us. I think no. the older generations truly felt like the company was their family well, and they and, were cared for. And maybe they were. And in some ways they were, but they were also able to do 40000 and buy a house and get cars True. and do all this stuff. We don't have that. We don't have the same security that was available at to all. them at all. We work our asses off. And we can barely afford rent. And, and I have food. nothing to show for it. Exactly. Nothing. Whereas they were able to get pensions back in the day where right. they knew when they retired, they were taken care of. We don't even know that. No, we don't. Because ours is all in a 401k, which could look really great and today. Most but people can't even afford to contribute their 401ks because nothing is enough. Well, the thing is with the 401k, though, I could have, I don't know, $550,000 built up. And if the crash, if the stock market crashes, that goes to like $50,000. Exactly. And then I'm fucked. You yeah. Know? You know, we're it's talking not, about 2008 again. Yeah. That's what happened to so many people and all their mm -hmm. retirement. Goodbye. And then you're like, cool. Now I get to work until I die because how else do I survive? So we have to create something for ourselves. Exactly. And even though we have technically nothing from this. <laughs> but here we are. When did we start? It was like, like March. March. And we're, and in, we're in September. September. And I we're am, still here. And, and you we're, know, it's our baby. We're not going anywhere. It is no. our little baby. <laughs> and you should see us looking at our calendars with everything we have going on between Jessica with her daughter and me with my kids and now travel and Jessica with her like 10 jobs that she does <laughs> outside of this, like trying to make everything work every yeah. week. It's a struggle, but we it do is a it struggle because this is a priority for us mm -hmm. and we haven't missed it yet. No, we, we haven't have figured this shit out. I mean, I feel like don't shoot us. It's going to happen at some point because there's only so much we can control. But like, for instance, I was doing a completely different episode for half of this week. <laughs> and on Wednesday, because we were supposed to record this Friday and it didn't happen yes. because of your work and you right. were up for 24 days. hours straight. <laughs> so <laughs> it didn't happen. She tried. She was like, I'm going to try and take I a said, nap. I'm going to rally. rally. <laughs> and then I was like, 
Jessica, I'm going to be the most boring person ever. And I was like, it's okay. The case is interesting. Maybe you'll, <laughs> but it just didn't happen. You would have and... looked across the table and I would have been like completely eyes closed. I would, I'll just have to like grab a spray bottle. <laughs> Wake up, Kendra. <laughs> and then I'm like, I'm awake. Yeah, that's awesome. That's so interesting. <laughs> so I found this case on Wednesday without knowing that there's a current, like very current situation going on with this case. I Ooh. found it and I'm like, I'm going to do that. I'm not feeling my other one. And I had two days to pull it off to research everything. And I stayed up late nights to do it. And then Kendra's like, I can't come. And I was like, okay, well, I'll just find some other stuff to add to this. But the reason why I decided I had already written like three pages on this story when I came across why this is current. Okay. So I'm talking about true crime. Yeah. It's been a little bit. I felt like I had to step away after Junko for a while. Right. That but one I'm was like, a hard one. <laughs> All right. I'll go back to it. I'm going to be covering the murder of Julie Buskin. Have you ever heard of her? I know nothing about this. Neither did I. I came across it on some random YouTube video, just like a little snippet of murders unsolved and how they have a crazy twist. Okay. I was like, okay. She was murdered in 1996 and it was a cold case for eight years. Okay. And the aftermath is relevant today because there's unanswered questions like, did he do it? I'll tell the story, how it's been laid out by most people or like most documentaries and stuff like that. Okay. But once again, I'm going to be the devil's advocate (laughs) and I'm going to probably end up choosing the other side and you'll see why. But I'm not decided. I'm not decided. Okay. But time is of the essence because the man that's convicted in this case is scheduled to be executed on the 21st of this month. Oh, And when this comes out, it'll be like two days later. When this episode comes out, I believe it's like the 19th. And then he'll be executed two days days later. He'll be killed. Oh, my goodness. So if he didn't do it, well, then, you know, we're putting an innocent man to death. And if he did, we still have the discussion of the death penalty. And, you know, that's always going to be a discussion. It is. This is crazy, though. I was like, I was starting to write this and I'm like, oh, my God, this guy's going to die in a a week. You know, like, what the heck? So who is Julie? Yes. Who is she? Julie was born Jewel Jean Buskin on October 24th, 1975 in Benton, Arkansas. She went by Julie. She was one of two children born to Bud and Mary Jean Buskin. She was an aunt. Julia loved to dance. It was her dream to become a professional ballet dancer since going to a recital for a friend of hers in the first grade. She immersed herself in dance after that. She graduated from Benton High School in 1993. She was recruited by Oklahoma State University for dance and studied on scholarship. Wow. She performed in more than a dozen ballets while in college. For work while she was in college, she worked at the university's golf course. During her breaks, she would go back to Arkansas and perform with Ballet Arkansas. And after graduating, she was going to continue on at the University of Arkansas and major in education for her master's. But her ultimate goal was to teach children dance including children with disabilities in her very own dance studio. Wow. Sounds like a awesome I grew person. up, you know, I was a dance person growing right. up. So like so I you identify. To her. Yeah. Uh-huh. At school, she was popular. She had a lot of friends. She was described as kind, honest, dependable, and happy. She didn't have a boyfriend. She was she was just too busy going after her dreams and she didn't have time for boy nonsense. But she did have a lot of guy friends. Okay. So she and got along with everybody. Dance, yeah, that exactly. That she would have a lot of guy friends. Yep. The Oklahoma University president, David Boren, knew her, and he had watched her dance the previous semester in Swan Lake, which is cool because I did Swan Lake for Halloween oh, one yeah? year, and I made the outfits, and I was the white swan, and I was the black swan. Nice. 
He said she had a beautiful spirit about her. Even when you just saw her walking across campus in her everyday street clothes, you just felt that she walked with such dignity and grace that you'd just say to yourself, I bet she's a dancer. (laughs) (laughs) I used to work at a retirement home, actually, and I got that all the time from the little old ladies. They said you were a dancer. They're like, do you dance? And it it was just my posture and the way that I walked and stuff. Right, because it just translates into your regular everyday. Yeah, it's just how you carry yourself. It really is. Because it is an identity. When you're a dancer and you dance every single day, it is who you are as well. Right. But ever since I had my daughter, man, and working on the computer for the last decade, yeah, my posture, posture sucks. Oh my God. We all have like the hunchbacks Blech. now. Um, my massage therapist calls it the golem. Oh, because <laughs> you're like it. hunched over. When I walk now, I'm very attentive to it. You're talking about it right now and I'm pulling my shoulders yeah, back. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's because our shoulders go forward. Yeah, they roll we don't want those rounded. Yes. And you have to really focus and pull them back. And then you actually feel better because yeah, your you neck do. doesn't hurt as much if you pay attention. But who has time to like pay attention every second of every day? We don't. And we're trying to look at little screens all the time. That's why we're like that. It's because our whole body like has to zoom in to like, <laughs> look at words. <laughs> I've been editing the last two days. So yeah. I'm all like hunched uh, over. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what's funny is I don't like to sit in one place while I'm working all day long. So I move from place to place to place to place. And I was like, I just want a desk because I have a desk, but my desk faces the wall and I feel like a (laughs) dead person. But then I remembered I have this desk. I have a podcast studio thing in my room. So I like moved all the curtains that we use to create soundproofing. I was like, I can work. That's a great idea. So it only took me like two months to figure that out. I mean, better late than never. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Back to her. Sorry. So we're going to go. We don't have a whole lot on her. She she just had a really good life. You know, her family, she had a great family. They all loved her. She was really right. focused on dance and her studies. And, you know, she just she was a happy kid. And she had dreams. She, she wanted dreams. to teach dance. I think that's amazing. Right. And every single person that knew her, they still to this day just hold her in such high regard. So, yeah. you know, she was a good person. So the night before her murder, it was December 1996. Julie was 21 years old. She had just finished school. She just completed all of her classes to earn her bachelor's in fine arts and dance. And by the end of that semester, it's December, she was ready to move back home right before the holidays. Okay. Her parents were driving up from Arkansas to help her move out of her apartment on December 20th. On December 19th, the night before, she had a very full night. She started the evening by spending time with a friend of hers, Ryan James, at his grandparents' house. He was a friend of hers from the golf course. They had dinner. They watched a movie. She left his house at 10 with plans of seeing him the next day for lunch before she was officially gone with her parents. After that, she went to a little like holiday going away party with some other friends. Okay. And it wasn't a crazy party. They played Monopoly. Oh, so they didn't have keg stands and (laughs) jello shots. (laughs) Not that kind. No. They played Monopoly and exchanged Christmas gifts. Her roommate, Megan... Megan Shrek then, Megan Hollett now, was with her. Megan was heading home early that next morning for the holidays to see her family. And Julie had agreed to drop her off at the airport at 5 a.m. Okay. So rather than going home and getting some shut eye for a little bit, they decided to try and pull an all nighter, (laughs) (laughs) which we know. (laughs) Sounds like a 21 year old decision for sure. At about 2 a.m., they left that little get together and they went to a restaurant called The Kettle and they had some food. And after that, they went to the gas station, got some gas and a couple cappuccinos. They didn't end up going to Megan's apartment because she needed to grab all her bags. And they managed to like fall asleep for like an hour or something. So they did 
not make it all night. <laughs> no, that's a hard thing to do. Yeah. They left the apartment around 4.30 in the morning to drive to the airport, and Julie dropped Megan off at the Will Rogers Airport at 5 a.m. Okay. Just as planned. Megan watched her drive away, not knowing that it was going to be the last time she'd see or hear from her. Mm -hmm. Julie's plan was to go back home, get some sleep before having lunch with her friend Ryan, and before her parents were set to arrive to help her move out. Okay. Julie lived at the Dublin West Apartments on East Lindsay in Norman, Oklahoma, which was close to the university. She drove a Red Eagle Summit. She had an Arkansas license plate, and she had University of Oklahoma on the back window, a little window decal. Okay. So she had a pretty specific car, yeah, just because Eagle, this comes into play later. You bring up Eagle. I haven't heard that in a long time, yeah. but when I was in high school, because I graduated around the same time as her, um, the Eagle Talon was oh, like yeah. the sports car that right. everybody wanted. I remember that too. I completely forgot about the Eagle. Wow. So. The Talon. Yes. Wow. I remember that. <laughs> Got some nostalgia. I graduated in 1998. So, I mean, I'm a little bit younger than she was, but same yeah. time frame. Eagle right. was like an up and coming Yep. I remember brand. that too. I remember this guy that I kind of liked had one. I was like, oh, you think you're cool? Oh, it's because I think you're cool. (laughs) (laughs) And you got a car. You got a car. Cars are what you're all about. Yep. I relate to her in that way, too, because my first car was a red car. Was it? (laughs) And then I got another one. And then I got a gold one. The only car that I've owned that is just a normal color is the one I have now. (laughs) And I won't tell you the color of it. (laughs) Yeah, I always had white cars. I've had one red car in my life, but mostly white and silver is what I go for. I always need to be different. I don't want to stand out because I, I got so many speeding tickets. I needed, oh, yeah, I I needed to look that. completely but incognito. But you're also a speeder, Kendra. I'm the worst. So she is the worst. She's a speeder and I'm the grandma. I was driving last night home because me and my child went out to get dinner and we were going around a curve and I was going 40. <laughs> it was 30. And my child's like, mom, you need to slow down. There's lots of raccoons in this area. Well, think about it. How are you going to respond to an animal, Kendra? But it was just funny. I'm like, you're worried about the raccoons? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of all the things to say. <laughs> Loves animals. <laughs> Yeah, she's a speeder. <laughs> I'm not a grandma. I just drive the speed limit. I go you like do. I go like four or five over. That's where I stop. I I'm just normal. Definitely, it can like be Kendra- going twenty over and not realize it. Yeah, she's just somewhere else in her mind. I'm usually yeah, which isn't good when driving. Probably no, it's not. I am a safe <laughs> driver. I think like I lies. <laughs> I've never had any accidents that I've been in. Maybe I've caused some, and I just don't know it. There's but- wood right there. Knock. I know. I've been very fortunate. Yeah. But I also buy the cars that do everything for me. Like they will stop me and they will tell me if I'm getting into a lane. I actually have my car now like steers me back into the lane if oh, I go over. I don't like that. Stay out of my I don't either. I'm like, stop it. I know what I'm doing. I had a BMW, like a really fancy one for a couple of weeks while my car was in the shop. I didn't ask for it. The guy gave it to me. Nice. I was supposed to get like the cheapest rental car you could get. And he just handed me the keys and he's like, have fun for a couple of weeks. Didn't charge me anymore. I was like, that's nice. my God. He felt bad for you. It was annoying because on the highway, even though I'm not close to anybody, the BMW the whole time was like, you have someone on every side. Oh, my God. Yes. This is all the apocalypse. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God, stop it. My car does Leave that. alone. But the fortunate thing is you can turn it off because I'm like, I couldn't find where to turn it off. We all joke. Me and my kids. But I also had an expensive car. So I'm like, tell yeah. me. <laughs> me and my kids were joking because my car likes to jump up every so often and it'll be like 
I think you should take a break. And it does it every time I drive my car because it thinks that I'm driving erratically, I guess. I don't know. But it's always (laughs) like, you should take a break. And I will have been in my car for like 10 minutes. I'm like, shut up. You don't know what I'm doing. So maybe I am a bad driver. (laughs) It thinks you should take a break. And it's like this little icon of a coffee. (laughs) What the fuck? It's really funny. That is... Okay. And I don't have a fancy car. I have a Hyundai. This isn't like I'm not driving a Beamer (laughs) or a Tesla or anything like that. It's just a Hyundai, but it has all these safety features built in. You should take a break, Kendra. (laughs) That's weird. It's become a joke in my house because other people drive my car and it never does that. It only does it when I drive my car. So Mm -hmm. it's because you're speeding. Probably. Yeah. The one thing I really liked about now we're talking too much about cars. Last thing I'm going (laughs) to say. The one thing that I really liked about the BMW is it had the screen in the window. So like it had the map and like speed limits and everything was directly in front of my. Oh, like it projected it. It projected it on the glass. Mm -hmm. So everything was like sometimes it was kind of in my line of sight, which was annoying. But I really like that because I didn't have to turn my head anywhere else. It was just all right in front of me. Yeah. Those Germans know how to engineer. Uh, They kind of made me want to. But I would do an SUV. I'm not a. Yeah. Not a sports car. I didn't like being that low. It's annoying. I'm all about it. (laughs) Okay, anyway. Back to Sorry, I took Sorry. us off by talking about the Eagle Talon. Now we're talking about cars. That's so funny. Anyway. We never know where we're going to go. We don't. We have many interests in life. So the next day, Ryan, her friend, arrived at 11 a.m. to pick her up for lunch. Okay. As planned. But he didn't see her car and she wasn't home. Mm. He ended up going into work. Well, actually, he was at work. He came on his break to have lunch with her. That's what it was. But he went to work and after he got done with work around 4 p.m., he went back to her apartment because he was concerned because he knew what that day was. She was packing up. Her family was supposed to come. Like, where is she? She should be there. Again, her car wasn't there and she wasn't home. He called his grandparents to see if she had called them or stopped by because she was known to do that. She was friendly with his grandparents, which tells you the type of person she is. Right. She's really does. They said they hadn't heard from her or seen her. And this is before cell phones, too. No, but not everybody had them, you know, because they were expensive. They were expensive. So if you had a bit of money, then you could have one. A lot of people had them for work. But then if it was like a personal thing, a lot of people had them, I think, in 1996. 1996. Yeah. My dad had a bag phone. You remember those? You like carried them in a bag into your car. Oh, because it plugs into your car. Uh huh. And like they were really heavy. That's so funny. 1996, there were phones around, but they were very thick. Like the battery was two pounds, probably. I just know that it was around. I know my dad had one. Mm -hmm. My mom might have even had one too. But anyway, so Ryan and his grandfather started driving around to see if they could find her car. Okay. They even drove all the way to the airport because they knew that that's where she was taking her friend. They couldn't find her. But Ryan's grandfather was friends with, at the time, the Oklahoma University police chief, Joe Lester. Okay. So he called him and they decided to list her as missing because her friend knew. This isn't like her at all. No, at all. So they reported her missing and around the same time her parents are arriving. Oh, man. Because they didn't have cell phones. Julie did. So that's why we had this little cell phone discussion. Julie did have a cell phone, but her parents still didn't. So they couldn't talk to her on the drive. They had to like leave Arkansas and just make it there. Right. (laughs) So they show up kind of in the late afternoon evening and there were cops at her apartment and they just immediately like walk up to her parents are like, who are you? And they said who they are. And they're like, you need to go to the police station. 
your daughter has been reported missing. Oh my God. Like, can you, like, that makes my stomach do a flip. Yeah. Just feeling that. It's insane. As your parents, yeah. like, oh my God. I mean, it's the parent's worst nightmare. She just finished school. You were literally hours away from grabbing her and taking her home. Right. She just made it through because you worry whenever your child's gone. And I'm sure they were worried about her for the last four years just being away at school. And now they're like, oh, she's going to come back. Everything's done. And then to hear that when you show up, I just can't imagine. How did our parents do it without cell phones, to be honest? At least they maybe that was their condition. We need to be able to always reach you. So we need you to have a cell phone. I had a cell phone that my parents gave me every time I went out in high school. Okay. uh, Around when I started driving. But even that, That like they died so quick that there were nights my parents couldn't get a hold of me. But like I think about it with my kids and I freak out if I text them and I don't hear from them. I know. In like 30 minutes, I'm like, where are you? What are you doing? Because now we all turn to texting. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so bad at it. If anybody knows me, like if if you text me, I think a lot of people are, though. But if you text me, like, I'll see it. And I'm like, oh, but I can't stop what I'm doing right in that yes. moment. And then everything. I have a million things in my brain at one time. Yep. It's never intentional. I don't mean to not message you back. I love you. I just it doesn't happen. I'm the same way. It will, like, pop into my brain probably when I'm, like, about to fall asleep. I'm like, oh, I need to text somebody back from, like, two <laughs> days ago. Yeah. <laughs> well, because the days go by so fast, yes. too, that you don't even realize it's been two days. Back to it, though, you know, her parents just showed up. They're told this. Holy crap. Her mother was immediately worried. But her her dad was just like, she's fine. You know, she just she went to do something like he was in denial. Yeah. You don't want to go to the worst case scenario. No. But I mean, for cops to be there, your daughter is missing. I would probably already start like breaking down crying right Right. now. But, But they probably did talk to her the day before, you know, just to button up things. Right. So... The police were actively looking for Julie. They reached out to her friend Megan to see if like she saw anything because that was the last person to see her. Right. You know, she just saw her drive away, but she was able to give like the description of everything that she was wearing. Okay. And she was wearing jeans. She had a blue turtleneck on. She was wearing a blue sweatshirt. She had a necklace with a cross on it. And she had this opal and diamond ring that she always wore. Okay. So back to the night before. This is the morning, though. After Julie dropped off her friend and she's supposed to go back to her apartment. Right. She dropped her off at 5. At 5.39 a.m., 911 gets a call. Oh. It's a man from the Dublin West Apartments. He said, we were just sleeping and my wife heard a really strange, like, really awful scream from the parking lot of our apartment complex. Oh, my God. You know, the 911 operator's like, well, did you see anything? He said, no, and I'm afraid to go outside. Other neighbors heard her scream, too. One woman heard someone say shut up get in the car oh no and hearing the car leave there was actually an off-duty cop he was a norman police officer that lived at the apartments william elves he heard her scream too and he went outside and he tried to look for her stuff he couldn't find it like he didn't find anybody he didn't find he didn't even find like tires squealed away or a bag dropped like nothing to say that anything weird had happened we don't know if this was julie like that's the thing nobody saw her get okay. taken. It sounds but pretty it's, likely. It's like the 99.9%. Okay, this is what happened. Because that's probably about what time she would have been getting back to her apartment exactly. after dropping her friend off. Yep. I love that somebody called 911. Yeah, right away. that would freak me out if yeah. I heard that. But you don't know what to do because if you go outside, right. you could get caught in it. I feel like someone always needs to say something because it always reminds me of that case of that woman who died in the middle of a courtyard of an apartment complex. And nobody did anything. She was being murdered. And everybody thought someone's going to call. No one called. That's horrible. And she died. But there was like 20 witnesses or something. 
watching like, just it sat there and watched. The, everybody's just like, well, they're going to call. Someone's going to call. Like, but nobody ended up calling 911. This kind of stuff freaks me out because you have seen it. I remember they used to do some kind of show like in New York City where somebody would like be getting robbed or like would be mm-hmm. asking for help and people would just walk by them. You always think, OK, if I'm in a crowded place, someone will help me. And then we prove as human beings, sometimes we just because don't want to get involved. At least call. Yes. Physically, you don't have to be involved. I'm scared of people. It could be a ploy to hurt me. Right. So that's where I go sometimes. I don't trust anybody. But you can call yes. and be like, I have a concern here. I don't know what this is about. You know, you can call. Well, at least this lady did. She heard a blood curdling scream and she's yep. like, this isn't right. I'm going to call. Yep. So separate from those that knew she was missing earlier that day around noon, a man by the name of Randy Linkford saw something near the shore of Lake Stanley Draper. He didn't go and investigate, but it stayed with him and he convinced his wife to go back later that evening. Okay. Just to make sure it wasn't a person. What did he see? They had flashlights and they were shining it down towards the shore. So they didn't actually walk down there. But from what they could see, they thought it was a person. They called it in. Hmm. So 12 hours after she disappeared, Julie's body was found on the shoreline of Lake Stanley Draper, which was about 15 miles from her apartment. They immediately knew it was her based on the description that her friend had given of her clothing. Crazy. That's like a really quick turnaround to find somebody. Because it was kind of in a, like, I think like a nature area where people walk is kind of what it is. Is that really close to the apartments? No, it's not. It's 15 miles from the apartment. 15 miles away. Okay. It might have even been something you could see from the street. I don't know. I didn't like get enough on this one to know how close it was to being viewed. But yeah, she was found almost right away. I mean, for a murder. (laughs) I was about to say, so he was obviously in a manic state or something when he killed her. He did not think through. That's what I would say. We're going to go through all of this. Okay. Okay. So they immediately knew it was her Mm. and the chief, Jill Lester. He then had to go to her parents who he just told she's missing. Instead, now she's dead. She was murdered. Wow. In a matter of a couple of hours, they're dealing with this. Like they had just gotten there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's a lot. And it was Christmas. Oh, my God. They were bringing her home and it's Christmas, too. Like everything. Worst case scenario for these parents right now. Poor parents. Julie was found face down with the top half of her body in the water. Her hands were tied behind her with a pair of shoelaces. Mm -hmm. She was shot once in the back of the head. Okay. Execution style. It was a contact wound. Whoever did it held the gun up to her head and pulled the trigger. It's like I-5 killer. That's what he did. Yeah. At the time, there were signs that they believed she was molested. Her clothes were on and her pants were up, but they were unzipped and unbuttoned. And when they kind of looked, they could see that her underwear was kind of like rolled past her hips. Mm. So like pulled up real fast or something. Right. And she was wearing shoes. It wasn't her shoelaces. Like hiking boots. So it could have been her shoelaces. It could have been her shoelaces. I didn't hear anything about it. But obviously it was also a quick assault on her because nothing else was taken off. It was just taken down because she sold the shoes on. Right. The crime scene technicians also found a possible pubic hair on her stomach. I never heard anything more about this. Okay. They found a leotard tossed in some bushes and it was hers. It had the initials JB on it. Okay. This is where it's going to be hard to hear. And a lot of people ignore saying this part. They just call it something else. There was fecal matter on it. Ooh. And a tissue with more fecal matter. And I'll get to this later, but she had like some fecal matter on her butt. So I so he sodomized yeah. her. There wasn't a struggle on the beach, but there were two sets of footprints, two leading down to the beach and only one coming back up. 
So it's very clear that she was simply taken to that beach to kill her and leave. Wow. The sand, however, preserved enough of a shoe print of the one heading back up that they were able to get the design good of the bottom of the shoe. Julie's car was found one block away from her apartment in the parking lot of another apartment complex. Okay. There was red sand on the floor of the driver's seat, and it was the same red sand from the beach. Okay, so he drove her car. Yeah. There was no signs of struggle in the car either. So I'm just assuming whatever happened, happened somewhere else, and then he drove her to the lake to kill her. They did find 44. I have two different things here. I wasn't able to determine which. 44 to 49 sets of fingerprints in her car. Wow. Just a lot. Mm-hmm. Lots of friends. <laughs> yeah. And they found some hairs and skin cells. One interesting thing that they did find was on the outside and it seemed to like be an impression of someone's butt. Like the residue of, of butt cheeks on the door. Okay. Which, did he push her up against the door? I don't know. Yeah. It's just an odd thing that they found. But it really puzzled everybody as to why someone would drive her car all the way back and then almost take it to her apartment. He had to have lived in the area then. He had to live in the area because he needs to be able to walk somewhere. Right. You know, perhaps he lived in her apartment complex. It's possible. It was strange. Watching her. Yeah. And maybe he didn't remember what apartment he stole her from. Right. Well, maybe, she was just getting out of her car. Oh, I see. You know what I'm complex. saying? Because it was in a different apartment complex. And I'm like, maybe he, he didn't remember. He thought he was bringing it back yeah. to make it look less. Suspicious. Exactly. Whoever this is, is not very good at killing people. I mean, we don't really know the entire story, but maybe he didn't remember because it was dark. She was captured pitch black, dark at night. You know, right. There were no signs of a struggle in her apartment either. Okay. So that's why I'm saying they took her from the parking lot and then took obvious. her somewhere else. Yeah. Got her out of the car, assaulted her, got her back in the car, and then took her to the lake. And then decided they had to kill her. They discovered that Julie was missing that ring. That ring was given to her by her parents, Mm -hmm. and she always wore it. Everybody knew about that ring. And she was missing her cell phone, which I mentioned, a CD player, and a radar detector from her car. So the guy stole her stuff, too? Well, a cell phone, yeah. CD player. I guess he needed some tunes and a radar detector, which, you know, makes sense if you're a criminal. (laughs) Yeah, and I could see taking the cell phone because back then that would have been a high dollar item not everybody had. I think in 1996, maybe people didn't realize you could trace things that way yet. That is the dumbest thing you could steal. (laughs) So an autopsy was done. Her nose and forehead had scratches and bruises and there was blood in her left nostril. She had several oval shaped bruises on her inner thighs. Which like is a weird... Like from him grabbing her thighs? I don't know. It never said what it could have been from, but I also didn't get to see the autopsy report because there might be police corruption in this one. Oh, shit. Or whatever. So, and she also had a little bruise near her labia. Okay. And she was scratched in the perianal region. Swabs were taken from everywhere and they did find the poop smeared on her butt. Right. And they did deduce that she was raped and sodomized. Mm, Poor thing. With her clothes, the swabs and some other stuff that they found, they discovered semen, a trace amount. This is important later. Only a little bit. But this is where they were able to create a DNA profile for the subject, which is also questionable. And I'm only bringing this up because this is a big fucking deal later. They didn't find much and it was all mixed. Okay. But they found the DNA. Okay. And they created this DNA profile. It was determined that Julie was murdered with a 22 long rifle. The bullet was recovered. It was still there on the scene. And ballistics showed 
that the barrel of the gun used to shoot the bullet was marked with 16 lands and grooves and a right hand twist. This wasn't very common, actually. So they were able to narrow it down to just six gun makers. Oh, okay. They still didn't find the gun, though, but they were able to narrow it down because that combination of lands and grooves was not common. Okay. But back to the shoe prints, they were able to get the design. They confirmed with Nike, Mm -hmm. and it was a size nine men's Nike Air 2 running shoe. Okay. They checked her cell phone records, and there were two calls that were made after she was deceased. One call was made to the weather station to check the weather. (laughs) Weird. Maybe to see if evidence would get washed away or I don't know why call the weather station. Why would you think about that after you've already disposed the body? I mean, it's not like our our phones now where we can look up everything in two seconds. He's probably like, what's the weather? (laughs) Yeah. Is my crime going to be covered up? I don't know. Maybe. And then there was another call that was placed on December 21st. So later in the day. And it was to a number that was not in service. And then he must have got rid of the phone. He was probably calling someone to sell the phone to or something. Who knows? We'll get to it. <laughs> so they had evidence, but no leads. And Dini really wasn't where it needed to be yet. Julie had a lot of friends and she went to college where anybody could be the culprit. I mean, she's right. a pretty little dancer. Right. Anybody could do it. They started interviewing anyone and everyone that they could. But no one had anything bad to say about her. She didn't have any breakups go bad. Like nothing was... They'd There's be like, no maybe there's this, stalker it could dudes. be this person. Yeah. They couldn't find a shred of motive from anyone as to why someone would do this to her. So it was this random thing because it's scary. It's like that's the most scary is you just don't random. want a rapist slash murderer in a college town of all places no. either. Here's the thing that really gets to me is that if you are a rapist and that's what you want to do, look at the U.S. justice system. <laughs> Rapists get away with everything. Like just bullshit. You get a slap on the wrist. If a woman says that you raped them, all you have to do is say, no, I didn't. She wanted it. And oh, she was wearing a mini skirt or whatever. <laughs> and you get off. So why do you have to kill a woman if you want to go rape a woman in America? And I'm not advocating this. No, I think rapists should go to jail. Yeah. Let me put that on the record. Uh, yes. Danny Masterson just got 30 years. Good. Everybody's freaking out about that, but I'm like, no, he's, he's actually getting, he's getting what should happen to yes. every person who rapes a woman because a woman who is raped never recovers. Her yeah. life is fucked for the rest of her right. life. She cannot have normal sex. She cannot have a relationship. There is so many things that come with you being raped. You have to work really hard to make things right again. Yes. And yourself but, because you can't trust people. And what he was doing, Danny Masterson, going back to him, there was a lot of like twisted abuse and things that he was, was doing with his girlfriend. It was all psychological and Scientology and all that fucking yeah, bullshit. And we won't go into that. But like people are going off the rails right now because he got 30 years. And I'm like, no, this is like what justice should be. But we are also used to rapists getting away with it and... And that it's always the woman's fault. Always. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So why would you have to kill her? Although now my brain is going right now to is this going to be a cop situation? And that's why. No, it's not a cop. It's okay. not a well, because that's the only other thing I, I could have think fucking of. I have no idea who it is. I don't know. Maybe and all that's fudged. Because even if like he left his DNA all over her and he got caught and he was arrested, he would have gotten probably like a couple of years and been let go. And she could have just gone on living her life as fucked up as it would have been. At least she wouldn't be dead. Like there's no reason to it's kill this woman. It's because the same woman. people who rape also cannot handle their emotions. They cannot right. keep themselves in check. They're angry fucking people. And if she's resisting, saying things, whatever she's doing, her fault, right? Always. Making him angry. He's going to kill her. That's probably what it is she probably said something that hurt his little penis envy well she was already strong she had gone through college and done everything by herself she was well educated and she was accomplishing her dreams like she 
she probably felt on top of the world and rape and is, this was happening yeah. to her rape is always about power yep. it's not usually about sex so he right. wanted the power to take down this pretty little girl that he probably could not get yep. during regular life oh no 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 so I see an incel that lives in his mom's basement <laughs> finally gets a cute little dancer girl and she said something that hurt his ego and then he had to kill her I guess is my profile that's why I should be a detective and <laughs> well you're wrong but let's go keep okay. going let's keep going <laughs> so they put out a reward for seventy thousand dollars nothing helpful came in for a month really after seeing Julie's car in the news though a man named David Kill interesting last name <laughs> called the police saying that he believes he saw the car mm. in the morning that Julie was killed. He was on his way home from Tinker Air Force Base where he had just finished up a night shift and was driving back to Norman around 7:10, 7:15 in the morning. Okay. And he was near the lake and he got cut off by this car mm. pulling into the highway or whatever the street is and it had an Arkansas license plate. Okay. Being a dude who was tired and he wanted to go home, he got mad that he was cut off and so he had a bit of road rage and just started <laughs> chasing oh, shit. the red car. Oh, shit. And it was an aggressive pursuit. The person driving either like didn't notice him or like did not care or what, but he saw the person enough mm. to I try and ID him. Okay. But he ended up pulling off onto Alameda Street while her red car continued driving south, which would be towards the Dublin West Apartments where she lives. Sounds legit. Yeah. And he gave this physical description of the man and a composite drawing was released okay. for news for everybody to see. And it was admitted as evidence. But strangely enough, this wasn't the first sighting of the car. And the first person saying that the car was seen, a man was seen. There was another person, but it was a woman. So we don't trust a woman. Is That's what, you're saying? what I'm. Fuck all of this. <laughs> a woman called in before David. Okay. Janice Keller, she called in. She saw this car. It was near Lake Stanley Draper, and it was between 6.45 and 7 a.m. And she saw a man, who she guessed to be around his 30s, okay, driving, and a girl that seemed younger in the front seat. And the girl had her hair in a ponytail, and she had really prominent bangs, she said. And she remembered the man just kind of looking angry, and the girl kind of looked scared. Yeah. And But for some reason, even though she provided a sketch of this man, herself she tried to draw him herself okay. they didn't interview her for two years fuck the police it's just the woman right but after two years another composite was done of her image of what the man looked like and it was him probably <laughs> well, we're gonna get to it because there are two drawings of their different suspect, and they're different i'm sorry but i would trust a woman's recall yeah. more than a man's gave, i just would she gave so much detail this guy was at the end of his shift he was angry and he was chasing a dude that cut him off. Okay, first right. of all, if you're getting cut off, you don't see much. No. That means it's happening quickly and suddenly. And that means all you're seeing is his reflection in a review mirror or a side mirror. No, you did not get a good look. No. I trust the woman because she was also able to say that Julie was in the car. And could see the woman she, was afraid. She, saw she was both, close. Yeah. You know, and she could see what she was wearing. She described part of her clothing. I just feel like Janice was more credible for what she saw mm -hmm. and the other guy. It's still it's the car. That's the car that's sticking out to them. Right. right? They both saw. They both the saw. Guy. But as far as an image of the face, that's what I'm just right. getting. At. Sounds like she had a better view. But point. between the two that gave the time frame of Janice seeing them go to the lake and of David seeing them leave the lake. What time did Janice see them? Janice saw them 
around 6.45 to 7, and David saw them 7.10 to 7.15. Wow, that's quick. I think he literally only took her there to shoot her her. and leave her. I feel like it was done somewhere else. It's an unknown location where all that happened. Both described a man, possibly Hispanic, with a muscular build and long black hair, but behind his back, so they couldn't be sure how long. Okay. You know, David's sketch, even though it doesn't look like the other one, even though his sketch was released... Nobody recognized him. They okay. didn't bring anybody forward. Her case actually went cold for four and a half years after this. Mm. So a long time. Police then received a letter from a female inmate at the Oklahoma County Jail. She believed she might know who did it based on that sketch from David. Okay. And that it looked like someone she knew, a guy named Dennis Sturmer. He was 23 at the time and a construction worker. He didn't have any previous run-ins with the law. He didn't have a record of any kind. But at the time, he lived only four blocks away from Julie. Oh. And he looked like the sketch. Yeah, I mean, kind of. I mean, but Janice said he was older than Julie. They're not giving a shit about Janice right now. Okay. Okay. So they look into him, they track him down, and he refused to cooperate. Well, that that doesn't necessarily mean he was guilty. No. Could also just be Mm -hmm. he doesn't trust the police because he's a minority. Right. So he wouldn't answer questions or give a DNA sample. They had to file and have it court ordered that he provide DNA. Okay. It wasn't a match, but his DNA was very, very close Hmm. on what they had taken off the leotard. But again, it wasn't a perfect match. So he had to be let go. So they thought, "Hmm, well, maybe it's someone related to him. And he only had one living male relative. That was his brother. And his brother was not a match either. So they're not suspects. Done. Okay. The police were frustrated and her parents were losing hope of ever finding justice. And they're elderly so they're kind of getting up there and they're worried that they're not going to live to see to see it happen so the police decided to test every male that they thought knew her there are over 200 of them that's a lot and none were a match and the case went cold again well it's obvious it wasn't somebody who knew her yeah so that's just a surprise me at all but they're just like oh shot in the dark let's just test every it was actually one of the biggest dragnets that had ever been done in the country to test that many people yeah that's a lot yeah they should have tested every man in norman and oklahoma city that wore a size nine (laughs) that's what they should have done right (laughs) size nines that's important we're gonna talk about that later yeah But six years after her murder, there was a break. We can call it a break now. We'll talk about it later. A man, Anthony Castillo Sanchez, was arrested for assaulting his former girlfriend and was required to give a DNA sample then. Mm -hmm. I think he was actually required to give it later. I might be saying this wrong. He was arrested for rape. Okay. Okay. The charges were later brought down, though, to burglary. That's a big difference, guys. Yeah. This is what I was saying earlier. They don't care about rape. But I don't know if she, like, came back and was like, I don't know. She was his girlfriend. You know know what I'm saying? I don't know if it was brought down to that, but they had already been charged and they had to charge him for something. I mean, the truth of the matter is you're going to get more for burglary than rape anyways. Yeah, because it became a felony charge in that way. Yeah. And so he had to give DNA. I think anybody who gets a felony now has to give some sort of DNA. So they're just on file for future. Yeah. Yeah. You go into CODIS. So that was in 2001. Okay. Okay. So in July of 2004, other police dealing with him realized something interesting about his story. At the time Julie was murdered, Anthony lived only a mile away from Julie. Okay. According to records. Mm. Okay. They started talking to his acquaintances and past 
ex-girlfriend's one former girlfriend, Christian Setzer, cooperated with the police in telling them about their history. And because she was the one that was actually with him in the same time frame that Julie was murdered. Okay. I don't know how long they were together, but they had a child together in 1997 and they later separated. So he does have a child. She provided evidence from her own diary in 1996, October, in which she details receiving a gift from Anthony, brand new Nike shoes, and he had bought himself Nike shoes. Okay. A matching pair, but men's, and they say it was a size nine. Okay. The police somehow found out that the number that was dialed from Julie's phone that was a not in service number was one digit off from another girlfriend he used to have. Okay. And so they're thinking well, he misdialed. Misdialed, yeah. Another girlfriend also mentioned that Anthony and his father, once for fun, shot into the home's walls with a rifle. Oh. She wasn't there when they did it, but she saw the bullet holes. Mm-hmm. So police were able to get a search warrant for this home in 2004. They tore apart the walls looking for evidence of the shots. They were able to find one hole that they thought was from a bullet, but there was no bullet. Okay. They didn't find what they were looking for, and they left the home a mess. So the current owner or the landlord or whatever was cleaning up. And guess what they found? A bullet. A bullet. <laughs> <laughs> and it ended up matching the 16 lands and grooves in a right-hand twist. Wow. Okay. It did end That's up matching. pretty compelling evidence. But they don't have the gun. Yeah. So without the gun, what can you prove? You can just prove the bullet came from a similar gun. Okay. Other than that, it's all circumstantial, right? You can't. Mm-hmm. You can't yet. So, but back to the DNA real quick. With the other details coming in that at least circumstantially links Anthony to the area and shooting a gun and shoes and stuff like that, they said that he matched the DNA, but he he matched the sperm cell fraction isolated from Hurley's hard and he was officially charged with the murder of her in September of 2004. Okay. But you say that as in like you doubt that the DNA actually matched. I do. I'll get into it later. But that's the biggest thing is like they're so he matches, he matches, he matches. But Mm -hmm. does he? Because I don't trust. Yeah, because they want to close a cold case of a cute little girl that was killed. And they've got a guy who's close enough. So they're like, oh, yeah, it's him. Yeah. And, And we know the police do this shit all the time. I mean, it's still a possibility that he did it. This is one of those things where I'm leaving it to you to decide. It's a you decide episode again. But this is a serious thing because this guy is going to die in two days. Like we're sitting here joking and having fun with it, but his life is about to be taken. And, and he's going to say he didn't Julie do it. Julie shouldn't have died, but she's gone now. And now there's someone else up on the table that we don't know if he's innocent or not. But if he's innocent, fuck. Yeah. You know? And he got linked to her. So it's like, why two in one blow if he's innocent? Mm. That took this long to figure out. And he's going to say he's not guilty, right? From the get go. Okay. And we've got the other guy who didn't want to cooperate at all. And they just let him go. But his DNA was pretty close. It was pretty close. They even said that. It was very, very close. And I'm going to come back to him. And I didn't connect this until when I was saying that. I'm going to come back to him. Don't let me forget, Kendra. I won't. Okay. So Anthony was 25 years at the time when he was charged with this. He's still younger than what Janice said. Janice said the guy was in his 30s. Yep. Okay. From the get-go, he denied it was him. He never confessed or said anything about raping or killing Julie. So what is his motive? According to police, he was a thief, which he was. He was a thief. Okay. And on the night of her murder, 
He was stealing Christmas presents out of cars at night. Okay. Julie happened to be pulling into the parking lot. She didn't see him. But as she's walking into her apartment, he went from stealing Christmas presents to rape and murder. That's a big. Okay. (laughs) If he was just stealing Christmas presents, he would have waited till she went inside and then stole what was in her car. So he forced her back into her car and did this and then drove 15 miles to a lake. And that's where the unless there was something about her that just attracted him. Yeah. You never know. You never that know. That kind of stuff can happen. An animalistic side of him came out when he saw her. Yeah. Who knows? Splice. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, I must have this girl. Right. It could happen. It could happen. And she had an air about her when she walked. Right. She was a dancer. But I'm already like I saw flaws from the get go when I was like reading some of this stuff. So it's hard. I'm still not decided. But here we are. Anthony was born November 1st, 1978. When this happened, he was just over a month of turning 18. Oh, God. Okay, that doesn't make sense. Okay, like he's still really young. He's a baby. And I know we've done teenage murderers. They happen, but usually they have some kind of signs. Right. To escalate from burglary to to rape rape and murder. It's a big jump. And did he have a gun like in his possession if he was that young? Like, I mean, I know criminals can have guns before they're 18. But, but this is like a split second decision to move from breaking into cars to stealing, abducting a woman, raping her and shooting her, not just murder, shooting her execution style. Right. I'm sorry, but that takes someone who has a lot of coldness, coldness in their body, honestly, confidence, whatever the fuck that is to kneel her down on the ground and shoot her in that way. 18. And I just I keep don't going know. back to the fact that Jana said the guy was older. Right. Like when you see a guy like 18 looks a lot different than 30. It does. Like a lot different. Like even 25. You can tell when someone is a little baby 18 year old mm-hmm. and someone who's like 25 to 30. Yes. So I don't know. Keep I don't know. Going. Okay. Whoever this was, even if they're stealing Christmas presents, like did she confront him? She seemed like she was a good person. So maybe she saw him breaking into cars and was like, stop what you're doing or don't do that. And it just made him mad. And there was an escalation. But I don't see how it becomes rape and sodomy. Like I get an anger from someone that maybe can turn into murder, not execution style, but the rape and all of that in between. I just don't see how it turns to that. I put myself into her shoes because I'm similar age at like, 21 right that's how old she was I'm coming home from dropping my friend off it's 5 30 in the morning I get out of my car and I see some guy rifling through cars I'm not saying shit (laughs) I'm going upstairs I'm scared yeah I can't imagine her being like hey you what are you doing like unless she's just some vigilante like I can't imagine a girl doing that maybe she was really I don't know like Like, I I don't care if people are stealing stuff I'm like cool just you do you I'm gonna go call the cops or something but I'm not interfering That's true as a girl by myself but back yeah. then i don't know a now time. we wouldn't do that i wouldn't have done it at 21 in college i'm pretty sure i did do 2000. it when i was that young i was always putting myself in bad situations but if someone was doing something i didn't like i always spoke up and i yelled at them i did not when i, I was drunk like, too out. i'd be like fuck you you're doing something wrong <laughs> well that makes sense when you're yeah. drunk she's not drunk i mean she she's might be not she might have been the type of person to yell at him so he would like run away at least and her neighbor's shit wasn't getting stolen or broken into. But see, I'm your I'm your worst neighbor because I'm just going to let them steal your shit because I'm too <laughs> worried about myself. I'm the selfish bitch. I'm just going to be like, oh, they're stealing that. I'm going to go tell somebody, but I'm well, not going to confront. Will. No, I'm not. I'm going not going to confront either. anyone because I wouldn't you even just confront a teenager. Boy. No 
because you can't trust anything nowadays. They turn around, they have a gun or yeah. they have a knife or I'm not a confrontational person, though. I avoid conflict, so don't trust me. But that's what I'm thinking is like that seems to me like a stretch for her to yell at him and then for him to get so angry. Yeah. Because if yeah. you're if you're stealing stuff and somebody calls you out, most likely you're just going to be like run away. Right. You're not going to be like, oh, I'm going to go get this girl and teach her a lesson. And it all happened in a matter of seconds. Too. Right. I mean, she had just gotten there and she's screaming. Mm-hmm. So. But what I do find interesting about the cop, they say he matches right. But okay. then they had to get this warrant to get DNA from him. After they said he matched? Yeah. But I'm just like, why do you have to do that? It almost feels like they're like, oh, there's like all these little things that kind of make it seem like the guy. So I'm going to now make him the guy. Yeah. And they needed the actual DNA. I don't know. There's something really odd about this. And we're in Oklahoma City. Right. Is this Oklahoma City? Yep. (laughs) I'm just going to go to the whole racial profiling of cops and things like that. And they're going to be like, okay, well, it's a Hispanic male. And he's not even Hispanic. By oh, the way, shit. find okay. out he's not Hispanic. He is actually Native American. He's the Choctaw Nation. That makes sense in Oklahoma, too. Yeah. Shit. Okay. Was he muscular? Did he fit? At the time, you I know. Mean, he's 18 years it's, old. and He was over six feet. He was mm-hmm. a tall guy, probably a little bit lanky, lanky versus lanky, muscular. But maybe he yeah. had big shoulders, you know. Going back to the shoes. Was that a common shoe? Was that a popular? Oh my God. Like every guy had those I, shoes I at mean, that age? Okay. So I don't know about Oklahoma. And I bring this up later. Nike was the shit in the 90s. Okay. I remember all of my friends having Nikes and it wasn't just the shoes. It was the jackets, the windbreakers. It was just the thing to have that. What kind of shoe did they Nikes. say it was? Nike Air 2. I just want to look it up. I think it was one of those Jordan specials or something. So this wouldn't be like a shoe that like would be real specific, right? It is a specific shoe. It doesn't matter. Everybody was saving up to get these cool shoes back then. We're in 1996. A lot of people went after Nike. I mean, that looks like a shoe that was popular for yes. sure with yeah. kids in my high school. I mean, school. I'm from New Mexico. All I know is that Nike was a big deal when I grew up. Everybody had to have something from Nike. We had Nike stories even. You don't even see those anymore. <laughs> well, Nike's making a comeback right now. But well, so is everything from the 90s. So yeah, we're in a nostalgia exactly. trend right now. Exactly. So anyway... I thought I was going to go into this story and just like tell you the way it is. And we right. are who we are and I'm stupid. So we're always going to end up fighting. things, And we're always going to question everything. <laughs> exactly. So it's a lot of what I had for later. I'm like, well, we're already there. So <laughs> the trial started in January of 2006. He was now 27 years old and he was being tried for murder in the first degree, rape in the first degree and forcible sodomy. For the state, on behalf of Julie, we had District Attorney Tim Koikendall and Assistant District Attorney Richard Sitzman. Attorneys for the defense included Silas, Lyman, Diane Box, and Matthew Hare. If you're a Vampire Diaries fan, I almost couldn't get these words out because we had Rick Sitzman and we had Silas Lyman and there is Alaric Saltzman and Silas and Vampire Diaries and my brain just went (laughs) (laughs) that was funny so of the jury members there were nine women okay and three men which I think is important because it's a rape case nine Mm -hmm. women are probably it's hard to say you know it's rape and murder yeah and the worst imaginable thing that could happen to a woman right about 35 friends and family joined Julie's parents to witness the trial none of Anthony's friends and families were allowed in the courtroom That seemed weird to me. Right. The trial lasted three weeks. And during the entire trial, Anthony was shackled at his feet. 
and this is going to come up later. Okay. It was a rough trial. A lot of circumstantial evidence was presented that ultimately swayed the jurors. There is only one true piece of evidence, this DNA from the trace amount. Okay. The rest was all circumstantial and, and yeah, circumstantial. Conjecture. Right. Nothing else could be used as evidence against him. For me, motive is like a big thing. Why? Yeah. Always. If it was him, why did he do it? Had and he raped other women? Well, did he have remember his girlfriend? His girlfriend. His one girlfriend said that he raped her. So, but then it ended up being turned into burglary. Did he sodomize so, her? Because that's a no. very specific way of rape, too. He did not sodomize her. To me, like that. It is. Men who have butt things are very specific. And Sorry. a girlfriend would know if the guy was into that. Right. In the end, on February 17, 2006, Anthony Sanchez was sentenced to 40 years in prison and a $10,000 fine for her rape. Okay. 20 years in prison and a $10,000 fine for forcible sodomy. Okay. And he was sentenced to death by lethal injection for Julie's death. Okay. I mean, this was a horrible crime, though. Absolutely. This poor, sweet girl, she just finished college, literally. She said her goodbyes to all her friends, and her parents were on their way to come pick her up. And instead of a few hours of sleep and seeing a friend for like a final goodbye at lunch, instead she subducted from her Raped parking horribly. lot in negative like 10, 20 degree weather at this okay. point. She's assaulted and then she is literally marched to her death and shot in the head. Right. And left a like. For no fucking for reason. For no fucking reason. Just for being in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah. Her own apartment was the wrong place in the wrong time. That's what's so fucked up. Okay, do they have proof that this guy was in her exact apartment complex stealing? No. I feel like this was a story made up. My question, though, is whoever did rape and kill her, why were they in the apartment complex at 530 in the morning? Every single time I think about this, I just think of some drunk dude walking around aimlessly, you know, and that he came upon her. Did they look at people in lived in her apartment complex? Like every they time looked, there's they an, did. They okay. looked at her apartment complex. And they, they did looked DNA. At school. They did the DNA of every man. In her apartment complex. Apartment. Maintenance school, guys. And people okay. like she knew. Okay. Like, well, then so. they did a pretty thorough job there. So this is a random. I just feel like it's a fucking asshole who saw her and was like, oh, hmm. Okay. Maybe it was an apartment across the street, you know, and they see her every day walking to him from her car. That's what I wonder. You know? and they saw their opportunity. It's 530 in the morning. They know that maybe her roommate's they, not home now. Maybe they saw her leave. That's what I'm and wondering. And they're like, oh, she'll be back. Why is she leaving at 430 in the morning? To me, yeah, in a way, it feels more personal when you think about it that way. You never way. really can know. It could have been someone watching her and knowing that yeah. her roommate left. I don't know. It was senseless. And my heart breaks for her to think of all the emotions she went through from dropping off her friend. And all of this happened in an hour and a half and she was gone. And he killed her so quickly. If Janice saw her in the car with this guy at 645 and then the other guy road raged with him at 710, like that was done real quick. He drove her to the lake, shot her and left. Like there was no. But she yelled at 539 and got in a car. And she wasn't seen till 645. Right. So. That's why I'm saying she was taken somewhere Somewhere. else for an hour. Mm -hmm. Something happened. There is an hour missing from this chunk of time of the two witnesses. Right. But did Anthony do this? I don't know. I know. So let's discuss it. Because the only reason I'm doing this and not going down the route of he did it is because there is an army of people out there that say he's innocent. Okay. They're trying to save his life. And they have two days. And it's not just people who oppose the death penalty. It's people that know him, know him, think he's innocent. 
and believe based on the evidence that they're trying to say is evidence that he did it, that it's actually proof that he didn't do it. Okay, let's hear it. If he is innocent, we need to be a voice to say we don't think he did it or at least give the information because if he does die and we can prove later that he didn't do it, then guess what, Oklahoma? Because you're real quick to fucking... Yeah, they're like Texas. Oh my Here's God. the thing. In my mind, death penalty should be reserved for somebody like fucking Serial Randy killers. Woodfield yes. that they had every evidence that he killed all these right. women and he didn't even get the fucking death penalty. And like, this should be someone that there's like beyond the shadow of a doubt, this person did it. Then you can do the death yes. penalty. But if there is any question, no death penalty. Leave them in prison for life until you can, you know, give them yeah, the chance to maybe get appeals matter? and prove it. Like him dying in two days is not going to change anything that happened to Julie. It's not going to give her any more justice than if he stays locked up, if he actually truly is the killer. But what if there's a, the actual killer is still out there and they're going to kill this man and say it's all done and good. And then the other person is still out there and yeah. you two wrongs don't make a right. No, whatever they the saying is yeah. I'm I used to believe in the death penalty probably because I grew up in Texas I have changed <laughs> as I've gotten older and like maybe seen more true crime and like there's so many nuances to this yeah if you don't have a hundred and ten percent proof that this person did something I mean but then that should not be on the table one of the main arguments of the death penalty in general is you take a life a life is owed right eye for an eye and all of that right I mean, a life was taken. Right. But I don't know. You know, it's like. Whose right I, is it to say the other person doesn't deserve their life right. at this point? Maybe now. there is a bigger purpose to them being here for some reason. Maybe it's a bigger purpose for the people who are judging that person to be the bigger person and say, no, I'm not going to do that to you. It's kind of that argument back and forth like take a life a life is owed but then the people who somebody are saying, has to kill them exactly what makes you do it so then do we get to take your life you're killing him it's true the but, person who gives the lethal this, injection but the lethal injection person is just the paid person it's all the other right. people saying kill this dude they're just the hired freaking anesthesiologist medical whatever right. you call that what does or maybe you're going to get into this what does julie's parents feel about it well they just wanted justice so they believe they believe he's, he's the guy yeah okay yeah what makes you doubt that or because you get the into evidence more? nothing fucking makes sense okay. to me they don't have one solid thing to mm -hmm. tie him to killing her right it's all just random shit because they're like, oh, well, you lived in the area. So did 2,000 people that and lived in the area that you did not test of the 200 guys. And there's probably at least 10 other Hispanic males that were between 18 and 30 that had a long ponytail and yeah. wore Nikes at the time, size exactly. 9. That's yeah. what I'm saying. It's just these states like Oklahoma and Texas, they're scary to me. Because I don't yes. like states that are just happy to pull the trigger. Yeah, they're like death, the death penalty. They yeah. want to be the Grim Reapers. So what happened after sentencing, Anthony complained about his lawyers during the trial and he made it known from the get go because he said from the very beginning, I'm innocent. I didn't do this. OK. He said that they didn't bring up important information about the DNA. OK. Fingerprint evidence. Shoe size. Oh, my God. Is he not a size nine? He's not a size nine. Oh, fuck. And where he lived at the time that would have proved his innocence he alleges that he actually lived a town over at the time. So even if they maybe had record that he was like living at some place, he's saying I did not live a mile away from her. Wow. OK. He just feels they didn't fight for him as they were supposed to. So, of course, he appealed. It was denied. 
when he found out that he was being charged for this, he was serving his time for the burglary. Okay. So he was taken out of prison to go to another prison that was two stories below ground, no sunlight, nothing. He had no idea what the heck was going on and he's being charged for rape and murder of somebody and he's like, whoa, that escalated. Yeah. It was a huge shock for him because he had a child. Remember, he does have a child and he was thinking, I'm getting out soon. I'm going to go be with my kid. Right. And now he's looking at spending the rest of his life in jail for something he has no idea how he's even being connected to. That's horrible. Like if that's the truth, if like that's, that's the truth. horrible. Yeah. I know that everyone in jail says that they are innocent. So yeah. it's hard to some don't, you know, some are like some are like, yep, I did it. But yeah, that's after they've already been convicted usually. Right. But he was already in jail. I don't know. Right. And the only thing that brought him to light was an ex-girlfriend. Well, they say his DNA matched. Yeah, but she was the one that brought the tip no. to the cops. So we're going to get to that. Okay. I think what I failed to mention in the beginning is they got a match through CODIS. Oh, okay. But it's the DNA that's still in question, though. So they got like a fingerprint match? No, they got the DNA, but I'm going to get to the why the DNA is an issue. Okay, let's go. Okay. Anthony admitted knowing right away when he was charged with this that it was going to be a big uphill battle for him and that the odds were stacked against him because he's a member of the Choctaw Nation of Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. He's not white. He's not from a good background. Nope. He knew it wouldn't be easy for him to say much of anything that's going to prove his innocence. And he felt like all they did was make him look like a huge monster at trial. He asked for a retrial that was denied. He'd been appealing for his case from the very beginning. There was one appeal and it was in 2009. Many things were brought up in this hearing that were just argued away. Okay. I read the report. It was very long. And mostly Anthony is bringing up his rights per the law, you know, per specific law. And the state just saying, oh, well, there's this loophole. So it doesn't matter. Like Uh that's how it came off. Just denied, 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 denied every proposition. I was really more annoyed with the answers from whoever wrote this thing up because remove the person and the case from this just for a second. Okay. Imagine someone knowing the law and saying, well, based on this, you did me wrong. And the state's just going, well, boo. <laughs> really? That's kind of how That's it kind was. of yeah. how it came off to me. Well, we do what we do. So sorry. That's just too bad. And they forget the fact that they're talking about a person's life. Yeah. But they argued their way out of every proposition. And mainly what they did is just bring up other court cases and being like, well, this happened in this one. So that's why we can do it here and stuff like that. Some of the arguments included his lack of proper representation because he did want to fire them. But he has no money. He has no money. This is why all of these like death penalty groups exist. And it's almost always these minorities that get convicted and given these death penalties when there's not solid evidence, but they don't have the money to get better representation. Yep. And they also, honestly, a lot of them just don't have the knowledge of how to say things like in court. They don't know how to carry themselves like on the court stand. They're not coached. They're not like they mm-hmm. don't get a lot of these things. And it's very easy to paint a picture around this person and make them the enemy when they're really just a poor, uneducated person that is getting by by, you know, burglarizing things or whatever. And it's yeah. easy to throw them. I just cause I think about some of these yeah. other trials that have happened over the years. Yeah. Yeah. It's not good education. And you'll see he came from a shitty father situation. We're going to go into that. I won't go over every proposition that was brought up in this appeal because it's very, it's very long. I really can't 
but one of the ones was he was in shackles. The whole trial. Per law, you're not supposed to do that. Why would they have done that? No person can be compelled in a criminal action to be witness against himself, nor can a person charged with a public defense be subjected before convention to any more restraint than is necessary for his detention to answer the charge. And in no event shall he be tried before a jury while in chains or shackles. Because that makes him look guilty. It makes him look like a danger to society sitting there with shackles around his ankles. (laughs) So the state, they provided their longest explanation here in the report. And like six times the amount of all the other things that they were talking against, which tells me they were in the wrong and they're covering their asses. They had an end statement to this and they said, this district court certainly encouraged Appellant to wear shock sleeve instead. Shock sleeve? Shock. Shock sleeve. And... He didn't want to. He's like, I'm going to be nervous that you're going to shock me while I'm trying to do stuff. Like, what? What, is, what are they worried about? He's sitting in a fucking courtroom with like cops around. He's not going to make a run for it. He's not going to pull a gun out. What the fuck do they need to like? I don't know. Had this guy been like violent in the jail cell? Like, no. What? No, he hadn't. Their biggest thing was he didn't like put up a fight to any of He probably didn't know what was allowed and what wasn't allowed at he the time. He had no clue. You know, he had no clue. They're like, you're coming back to us after the fact. I'm like, you expect all of the people who go up against you to have the whole court of law in their brain and they to don't. know their rights. They don't. And they don't have good legal representation because they can't afford to. So they get the court appointed who half the time already think they're guilty and aren't really putting in the full effort. And all they kept saying is, well, he didn't want to wear the shock sleeve. And he's like, well, because I don't want to be electrocuted. Nobody wants to wear. I don't <laughs> like if you came to me and like put the shock sleeves on, I'd be like, I don't want to wear that. And they kept saying, well. We did a good job of hiding your shackles with table curtains. And he was like, but I was still shit. Like, I didn't have any way of moving. The whole point is you're not supposed to show the jury this person is already guilty. Right. And they are. And it's a subconscious way saying, like, this guy is a danger to society. That's why he's in shackles. Right. So another interesting proposition, it was that there wasn't fair examination of the prospective jurors that were going to be on the case because, what do you know, Oklahoma, the people were confused about what they're supposed to do with the death penalty. What? Because in the Sean Sellers case, remember? Yes. That was their only option. And then it was after the fact that they were like, well, we wouldn't have chose that. Yeah, but we they were presented with. That's because it. apparently Oklahoma is trigger happy. They just can't wait to kill people. So the confusion is, and I'm just going to read this like a little like back and forth between the court and this prospective juror because she was confused. She's like, am I supposed to choose the death penalty? <laughs> the court says the punishment for murder in the first degree is death. Imprisonment for life without parole or imprisonment for life. If you find the defendant guilty of murder in the first degree, can you consider all three of these legal punishments, death, imprisonment for life without parole or imprisonment for life, and impose the one warranted by law and the evidence? Before I say what she said, why do they put death first? They say death first. Because they want to kill everybody. Right. The juror says, yes. Are you asking if I have an idea of what it should be if he's found guilty or if I can fairly choose the one that's most right according to this case? The court said, the latter. The juror says, I can. The court, if you are on this jury and you find beyond a reasonable doubt that the defendant is guilty of murder in the first degree, would you automatically impose the death penalty? The juror, if that's what the guidelines are. (laughs) So she's confused. She's like, are you saying that I I have have to? to choose that? Yeah. The court's like, well, that wasn't the question. She's like, go ahead. Sorry, say it again. If you found beyond a reasonable doubt 
that the defendant is guilty of murder in the first degree, would you automatically impose the death penalty? The juror again, now wait, because you just, what am (laughs) I supposed to do? The court says, give equal consideration to any of those. Right. The juror's like, right. Court. So would you give equal consideration? The juror. Right. But I felt like I just answered that. Yes, you did, said the court. The juror says, I mean, I would have no problem if the law said that the punishment for this crime was a death penalty, if that's the punishment for death, right? That's the punishment. But if the law says it can be one of these, then it depends on what the law tells me to do. So she's like... Just trying to be there and be like, you're supposed to tell me what I'm supposed to choose. Yeah, I'm just a random person that you pulled off the street with jury duty, which I have a problem with, too. Like the way that we choose jury members, because they expect somebody who like works at the local like (laughs) coffee shop to be able to come in and know all these legal terms and decide that this person should die. Like that weighs heavy on those jurors, too, I'm sure. I think what got me the most in reading this is. They listed death as the first option. Yeah. They made it sound like that was. Right. And that's confusing. That's leading. They're leading Mm -hmm. with death is your option. And they were looking for jurors that would give the death penalty, which we saw that in Texas with Andrea Yates. Like they wanted somebody who would choose the death penalty. Like these prosecutors know what they're looking for in these jurors. And they probably liked her because she was confused. And they're like, oh, we can tell her what to do. So their big thing here is the state was like, well, he didn't have any objections before. And I'm like, he didn't know. He didn't even fucking know. Oh my God. Their answer is always like, well, they didn't object when it was happening. And I'm like, because what are they supposed to know at this point? Like they didn't read like, all these legal books. They didn't go to law school and learn all of this. Like they should have known. I mean, it's out there. They should have just fucking known. So it was too bad. They're too supposed sad. to trust their lawyers to yeah. do everything right by them. He did challenge the DNA stuff. Like, how did you how, where get, did this get come it? From? And then mm-hmm. why did you come and get it again? Like, how was this okay? And because this is the only thing that's Linked. really yeah. tying me to this. How is this okay? They gave a big long speech about how things go into CODIS and blah, blah, blah. But I don't believe really anything they say about the DNA, to be honest. The other one is the shoe prints. He argues that we're going to go into that later as well. And then he does argue, how are you calling it rape? So here's the thing. They believe she was sodomized, that she did not have vaginal, like she wasn't hurt down there. There actually was not evidence of vaginal rape. Okay. But the reason they're calling it rape is because she had that bruise Mm -hmm. above her labia and she had those bruises on her thigh. Okay. This is a weird way to say this, but their argument is sort of like the dude was trying to get in there and And didn't get in there and then ended up in the butt. Is kind of how it came off. So they're still calling it rape, which sure, whatever. And that could have happened. Yeah. But he also could have been grabbing her legs to sodomize her. Right. Yeah. And he could have bruised the labia while grabbing her roughly to just sodomize anything. her. And it was in the dark. Right. For all we know, like the injuries that happened to her was just because he doesn't know where anything is. Like most men. That's <laughs> 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 <It's> funny. <laughs> but in some of these appeals, you really do have to bring up everything because he is being charged for rape. Yeah. But there's no... And- vaginal intercourse situation here they didn't find that so he is questioning it another argument that he had is because they brought up his assault of his ex-girlfriend and why he was in jail and he's like you just made me look like a monster you don't even know the situation that happened there i'm serving for burglary not rape right but they showed him like oh he's serial like this is a serial rapist situation And so he was arguing that, like, why did you bring all that up? You shouldn't be able to do that. 
but they can. The whole point here is that they're allowed to show repeated behaviors to Correct. show like if yes. you're going to be abusive or, or violent, if you can be on the street or not. Right. But I get his point in bringing that up. Like you made me look bad because you made it sound, but I wasn't found guilty of rape in that case. That's true. He was found guilty of burglary. How can you bring it up as a rape case when that's not what I ended up being charged for? Mm-hmm. That is true, though, because it's one that had already been tried and he's already serving a sentence for. So to bring it up as something else. Right. That does seem wrong. It does. So another issue that he had was the closing statements that were made. OK. Both by the defense and the prosecuting side. So even his own lawyers, they brought God into it. I'll bite my tongue. <laughs> Well, one of the issues was that the way that it was being talked to the jurors is they're talking about the death penalty. Okay. So they're supposed to be able to choose between the three options, but they're talking to them like not one of you, no one individually will decide whether this man receives the death penalty or not. Don't let anyone like don't let yourself put the burden just on your shoulders. So they're like talking to them like it's not going to just be you. Don't worry. Like the death penalty is an option. It's not going to just it's not going to be on your shoulders. It's a collective. Oh, cool. That's like the pep talk they're being given. And I'm like, wait, there's three options here. Why are you talking to them about the death penalty? Why did they go? Don't feel guilty if you're going to choose it. Right. And their excuse here was that the prosecutor's argument just anticipated common capital defense rhetoric of some kind and that's what he was speaking to but I mean he's about to die or he's on death row so he has to argue whatever he can argue you know and if it feels like the closing arguments are towards death is the right option but don't feel bad for it and that's what it sounds like (laughs) like yeah yeah. and the jurors are gonna feel like it was leading so this is where his lawyer was kind of like looked at well like you didn't really help me in the end Mm -hmm. So he said that he has lost a lot of friends being a death penalty attorney. But he said it's important because there has to be fairness before we kill, before the government kills in the United States of America. So that's good. Right. But this is his end statement. He says everyone in this courtroom is hurting and everyone will leave here today and will always hurt. He was kind of pointing to the prosecutor and said he has a daughter that's 18. Like, okay, he understands. I have a daughter that's eight who's a ballerina. Okay, that this is the last time I get to speak to you on behalf of Anthony Sanchez. I ask you to focus on fairness and mercy. I don't have much to offer you, but it is your decision. It's not the world's. I would make him think for as long as possible what he has done. He will meet his maker. But let that be on other people's or God's time. That was his own lawyer's that was ending the statement. Yes. That's fine. Like, I don't even know what to say. That was his lawyer's end statement to let them go off and decide what happens to Anthony. So his lawyer already thought he was guilty too. It, like the way it sounds, it's like, yeah, go ahead. But then whatever. I've, That's- I've, I've read other statements because Anthony was very vocal about this. Like I didn't have good lawyers and they've come back and been like, no, we're good. We, we even did still our best. see them, see him and try for the appeals. And I'm like, well, that I wouldn't want that to be my closing statement. No. You're saying he'll meet his maker. He'll meet his maker and he'll stand, you know, trial with God and Satan. I feel and- like in this appeal document, I might be missing words, too. Like they might have cut off an entire other thing that right. this lawyer said. Right. You don't know. This is the whole state versus Sanchez document that I've been reading this from. But I was like, that's a shitty way to end. It's pretty weak, dude. If you're defending me, I'd be like, wait, I want to do over. Wait a minute. (laughs) 
That did not come across the way you thought it was in your head, maybe. No. Maybe you were saying we should let God decide and like you shouldn't be the one that chooses death. I don't know what he was going for, but the way that read, he did not hit the mark. No, it was like, oh, he's guilty and he'll have to deal with it in his own time. Yeah. You know, (laughs) it just came off wrong. And I have an eight year old daughter who's a ballerina. Like, why you got to throw that in there? Like, that's making people. Because that makes me think that he was talking from support of Anthony. Like, my daughter's a ballerina and she's eight. Like, and I'm still I supporting this guy. And I'm supporting this guy. But then it just like went way south. It did not sound did not that sound. way. <laughs> there were other propositions. But by the end, the state admitted to the wrongdoing of only one thing. And that was the shackling. They weren't supposed to. But there's no fix for that at this point. No, there isn't. They that's can, the point. That's why they admitted to it. They're like, oh, yeah, we probably shouldn't have done that. But whatever. Too late. And they're like, we covered it. They didn't see. Like that didn't change their mind, really. It didn't make him look that scary. <laughs> Why don't you put a face mask on him next time and like make him look like Hannibal Lecter, like roll him out. Right. (laughs) Like it's similar. And they're like, well, we tried not to let them see him leaving. I'm like, they're shackles. Maybe they heard it. Every time he moved just a little bit, it's like. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I'm going to bring in a new part of this story, though, and it's a big part. Okay, Anthony's father. Okay, He's a big part of this. As of last year. Thomas Glenn Sanchez, according to his former girlfriend, he was known as an alcoholic, an opioid user, mm-hmm. and he liked to sexually assault her for years and beat her. Okay. okay. Charlotte Beatty was her name. She came forward saying that Sanchez Sr. admitted repeatedly since July of 2020 that he was the one that killed Julie Buskin. <gasps> Oh, my God. And that would make sense with DNA and everything. Fuck. She didn't say anything because she was scared of him. Okay. He was a drunk and he'd come around blabbing and threaten to hurt her and say that he would like do the same thing to her if she said anything to anybody. And he'd really only said anything to her about it a couple times sober. And he was very violent, drunk. Whenever she asked why he would leave his son in jail to pay for his crime, he would say something along the lines of, well, he's young, like he can deal with it. He's a man. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let me guess. He was probably the address that was within the one mile radius that his son would stay at. Is that They true? kind of both were. Technically. It's just his son saying, I wasn't living at the house. That's I was what a, I'm saying. Yeah. So, But his dad would have been, yeah, within that range. He's 18 years old. So Sanchez Sr. I'm going to call him Glenn. Okay. Sounds like a piece of shit from what you've already said. <laughs> Most who knew him knew him to be paranoid and abusive. Not a good combo. That includes his ex-wife, Kathy Hodge. She wasn't Anthony's mother, but she practically raised him because she married Glenn when Anthony was just one years old. Okay. And they were married for 14 years. And during the marriage, she was regularly abused. It started off small. She said he would slap her, which mm-hmm. to me isn't small. It's like, you slap me, That's I'm That's a gone. big fucking deal. Yeah. Yeah. No man has ever slapped no. me. No. That's small. That's scary. I know. But it escalated to beatings, mostly when he was drinking. Mm -hmm. He pulled a gun on her a few times as well. However, she's one of the only ones that's like, I don't know if he would be capable of it, but definitely not Anthony. She said, absolutely not Anthony. Anthony is 100% innocent. Okay. But that maybe Glenn got even worse after she left, which, you know, it happens. Fucking happens. Because they lose control and they lost the one that they had and whatever. They just go crazy. Mm -hmm. In February of 2022, Sanchez Sr. was diagnosed with throat cancer and within a month had a tumor so large that he had trouble speaking. And in April of 2022, 
he showed up on Beatty's, so the ex-girlfriend's front door, and he shot himself. But this wow. was after he had spent he had already, two years admitting to her that it was say, him. He's already confessed. Right. Most believe he did it knowing that he didn't have much time left because of the cancer. Right. But that's when Beatty came forward to say something about it. He wasn't there anymore. She, she wasn't, wasn't afraid scared. of him. Mm-hmm. But people argue, oh, well, that was just like because he's already dying. That was his way of getting his son off of death row to say that he did it. OK, but was he a good father before that? Like, no. did he care about his son like that? No, that doesn't make sense and if he's a Anthony shit father. Anthony was regularly beaten too growing up. Yeah. No. And Kathy did say that, you know, sometimes he wouldn't be able to go to school because he was so bruised. Yeah. Oh, my God. Anthony himself doesn't want to believe that it was his father. But there have been other people that have come forward saying that it was him with Julie. So there have been other witnesses. Oh, other people have said, no, I saw Glenn with her that morning because it sounds like where they lived was this like a lot of apartments. So maybe right there. there were people mm-hmm. out and about in the morning. And if he was an alcoholic, him wandering around would make sense. Exactly. At 5.30 in the morning. he's just walking around. He's drunk and And he sees whatever. a cute girl and... And he obviously didn't have a car. They forced her into her car. Yeah. For everything to happen. So another thing is, is Anthony was never identified by anybody. Like he doesn't match the sketches. He wasn't identified in the lineup. But his dad does. His dad never was. So here I'm going to get to him because they talked to his dad. His dad's had some very interesting things to say. But then after this one interview, stop talking. But I'm going to play a recording, actually, not of him talking, but of another investigator talking about Glenn. Okay. the sketches, though. That's a hard thing, unless you know, like, right then and there. Like, people look different six to eight years later, so it's kind of hard to say. That's true. But if you know what they look like during a certain time because of photos and stuff, and that's why a lot of people are like, it's not Anthony. He doesn't look like either one of them. Yeah, there's long hair, but that's a common Native Native, American thing to do. The long hair, there's pride in that. Right. A lot of people have long hair. And it was also the 90s that people were still doing, like, the rocker thing. Everybody had long hair. Yeah, Yeah, that was normal. Other family members stated that there was another rape and murder that wasn't far from Norman, Oklahoma, and there was a sketch released with that, and it looked like Glenn. Oh, shit. And so they turned him in for that and said, that looks like Glenn Sanchez. Right. Because they know that he can go that far. He's capable of He's capable of this. And they reported it to the police at the time. Nothing was done with it. Several of his family members are now asking the Oklahoma Bureau of Investigations to run his DNA through CODIS. Do it. Because they're concerned and convinced that more than one thing's going to pop up that's going to be connected to him. He's dead now. He could have been a serial rapist for years. Right. Exactly. So there has been an evidentiary hearing that was requested by Anthony's lawyers claiming that his father was the killer. Okay. It was denied, but the state jumped on testing his DNA which is weird. It's like, you're going to deny this, but you're going to jump on testing his DNA. They said it wasn't a match. (laughs) Okay, but I'm going to go into this a little bit more. Okay. So there's this new person that has been trying to help Anthony. He's a reverend, but his name's Jeff Hood, and he met with Anthony last year, and he said he wasn't convinced of Anthony's innocence. But after meeting with him and looking at, like, all the evidence himself, he believes that the state tested his father's DNA to essentially just shut everybody up and then say, like, no, it's not a match. Like, just he, leave us alone. Leave us alone. Right. But they won't let them bring forward all this other evidence and all the other things that they have to talk about. 
they won't redo anything. And he's going to die in two days. They just want it to be closed and gone away. And they don't care. It was a cold case for too long. She's the pretty ballerina. Exactly. They want to close it. A little white girl was murdered. We have to get this closed. So we're going to get into these issues. Because DNA is an issue. Even during the trial, because DNA was all they had, really, prosecutors said that it was a slam dunk, essentially, because of this DNA. But Anthony's lawyers did argue that the method in which the DNA was stored and tested was questionable. Okay. DNA technology was in its infancy at the time, and all of Julie's clothes were put in the same bag. So everything was contaminated. That includes clothes from her car that might have not even had someone else's. Right, exactly. It compromised everything. And remember, it was still only this trace amount. I'm going to let a recording I'm going to play explain blood and like loci and stuff and why like creating a DNA profile is very weird with only this small amount. Okay. But since the trial, only the leotard is what's brought up as having this evidence. But in a lot of other things, they bring up all this other stuff. Like there was a pair of pajama bottoms that had evidence in the car and but they just stuffed everything in a bag. And I'm like, yeah, because you stuffed it all in one bag before testing everything. And it touched. Yeah. Everything got touched. Everything got mixed. So this investigator was brought on now to look through everything. His name's Ballard. And he was hired by Anthony's lawyer. He questioned the DNA handling from the get-go and that profiling that was done in the case. He stated that the testing and results were questionable at best and that everything needs to be redone. A spokesperson for the attorney general's office said that there was no evidence to suggest that DNA was not properly collected or stored or that the profile obtained from Buskin's leotard by the Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigation in 2000 that it matched directly and exactly to what they obtained from Anthony. Okay. However, they also stated that although Sanchez Sr., Glenn, was excluded, the testing found that it was highly likely to belong to a biological father of the attacker. That's what the DNA said? Yes, (gasps) but they're ignoring everything. So then why are tests not being redone? Why, indeed. Why are they not letting people see everything? Because they just want it to go away. They don't want more bad press on their police department. They just want to kill the man and be done with it. Right. Doesn't matter if it's the right one or not. And they're like, whatever. He probably would have committed crimes anyways. Let's just kill him. Yeah. So his dad was an asshole. So poor kid, if he's innocent. I'm going to play the recording from this investigator, what he has to say about the DNA. And ignore him because he says uh, a lot, which annoys the shit out of me. But yeah, <laughs> especially now that we're in podcasting, I, I notice it in like, everybody. Uh, uh, uh. Okay. When you guys are listening to these audios, there is this high pitched interference that's not coming from us. It's coming from the audio from this. Yeah, it sounds because, like a dog whistle. Or something. Right. It was like some kind of Zoom recording and the other guy was not muted. And yeah, so it just doesn't sound good. But don't come try, at us. Try and ignore it. <laughs> yeah, we edited the best we can. <laughs> but we can't take away someone else's mistakes in this one. Just remember that for both audios I'm going to play. Thank you. Why is it that we can't trust that DNA? Well, one, you know, as we've said and reiterated, that at the time, DNA was really new to crime scene investigations and being used in courts. So with that being said, you know, early on, they they only got very small amounts and you have mixed DNA, mixed DNA. It's, you know, stated to be impossible to get a full profile from. I mean, as you and I have discussed that the only way you get a clean profile is from a clean swab, you know, directly from the source. In this case, 
the uh, original DNA, there was only four locus located, which is where you have your alleles in. And as it went on, it's been retested again and again. And that when you look at the report, which we don't have the lab notes, we only have the generated reports by technicians. Not only is it unlikely, and you have fragmented DNA, which fragmented DNA references to holes in a genome that the uh, for the DNA. And so it doesn't make sense that you're going to get a, a full profile from a technology at that time that was uh, only known to be able to create a partial. And a matter of fact, in one of the court records or transcripts, I believe it was the technician was asked and it ultimately came out that they potentially didn't get a full profile, but that the person felt like based off their trained knowledge that, that there was enough. And that's why we probably have the issue with, based on the one report, Julie Buskin shows to be a potential relative match to Anthony Sanchez and another suspect, actually two other people. And so, you know, that's why we looked at, was it a contamination deal? Was it something different? But that's based off of a DNA profile that was taken from her blood. And so there shouldn't be any matching numbers to Anthony or anyone else. That should be very distinct to her. Uh, one of the things we talked about before is that from that profile in 2000, when they did another, they filed a PCR report with a open case on Oakland Supreme Court Network. And that's on March 20th, 2000. Listened to a John Doe. And as we talked about, they stated at some point, someone made a comment that, well, it was due to statute of limitations. There's no statute of limitations on murder. Secondly, there's a third entry on that date when I was going back doing research that on March 20th, 2000, the name Anthony Sanchez comes up as an entry. That's four years before Anthony's even a suspect. And then it jumps back to the next level and goes on the same date back to a John Doe. So how would that even be possible that it's to Anthony Sanchez who's not even a suspect at the time? So there's just pieces like that that make it an issue. And, you know, it calls for, you know, either further testing investigation rather than trying to rely on something that's been a copy of a copy of a copy and trying to say that it now somehow produced a full profile when in a lot of ways the technology wasn't even there at the time to do that. Wow. Wow, indeed. Wow. <laughs> As that guy said. But do you see what I caught from that is that the DNA was so mixed Right. That it was showing that Julie was related to them. Which tells you because that it should have all on. been thrown the fuck out. Julie was obviously not related to them. And anyway, and that is the one thing that they had to convict Anthony. That's the only thing they had to convict to Anthony. I'm convinced right now that his dad did it. Me too. And that's why the DNA was even close. And they chose him. You didn't hear? Yeah, from his four years. His name was showed up in a report in 2000. He hadn't even been arrested for assaulting his girlfriend yet. That was right. 2001. So, so did they what just the do that like to make it on. look? Yeah. There's actually another petition out there right now. This gets even more fucked up. To stop the execution on the basis of DNA because of who was handling the DNA at the time of Julie's murder. Who was that? Former Oklahoma City Police Department chemist Joyce Gilchrist. Okay. Gilchrist was fired from her job based on having helped prosecutors secure numerous false convictions by manipulating DNA evidence. Oh, yeah. In researching her, I found out she had a Wikipedia page. Julie doesn't even have a Wikipedia page. This girl is, she's known. She's known. And it's scary. It reminds me of like kind of what we're dealing with Michaela and the corrupt coroner and police. Right. Joyce participated in more than 3,000 criminal cases in 21 years while working for the Oklahoma City Police Department. And her evidence led to 23 people 
being sentenced to death, of which 13 have already been executed. Oh, my God. She was nicknamed in the beginning Black Magic because she had an ability to match DNA evidence that other forensic examiners could not. Oh, I wonder how. Hmm. She was also known for being really, really good at testifying and persuading juries. Wow. In 1994, she was promoted to supervisor for forensic chemist after just nine years on the job, which I guess is like an amazing feat. And that made a lot of colleagues question question what's going Mm -hmm. on. And questions about her were first raised really because there was this man. He was a landscaper. His name was Jeffrey Todd. Jeffrey Todd Pierce, who was convicted of rape in 1986 because of Gilchrist's evidence, despite having a clean record, he had a good alibi, but Pierce, who was a husband, he was a father of two infant children, he was misidentified in a police lineup. Okay. After voluntarily giving his hair and his blood to the police investigators in an attempt to clear his name, her report said he is guilty. Oh, no. She claimed that his hair samples were microscopically consistent with the hairs that were found at the scene. Pierce was cleared of the crime in 2001, though, after DNA evidence was re-examined. By someone not But he had corrupt. spent 15 years in prison, and he had nothing oh to do God. with anything. There were other cases as well. Michael Blair, he was sentenced to die for murdering a young girl in 1993, Evidence leading to his conviction included hair near the girl's body and in the car, but it showed later that the DNA was neither. It wasn't even the girl's or the guy's that was sentenced to die. In the 1990s, early 1990s, Oklahoma state law did not allow defense attorneys to use government funds to hire their own forensic scientists. Oh, so convenient. it was just her claims that could come to court. We're in the 90s. Right. So she was invincible and nobody could question her at the time because DNA was new, but she was black magic with but it. She knew right? everything. Right. Yeah, you can't question it, but she was 100% accurate. Don't. There was another guy, Curtis McCarty. He was released in 2007. He spent 20 years on death row. The courts found that she acted to either alter or intentionally lose evidence. How does this woman sleep at night? I don't know. There was another guy in 2018, Johnny Edward Talber, was released after 26 years in jail for a murder he did not commit. Now I'm wondering, I say, how can she sleep at night? Is she just a racist and these are all minorities? And you know what she said after all of this when she was fired? She said, I'm only being fired because of a sexual situation in the office that I spoke up about. I don't know. You know, that shit happens. But these are actual people who are being released from jail. Whose lives are ruined. 15 to 30 years later after what she did. How do you have no conscience? Like that's your job. And you're like, oh, well, I'll just like splice this shit together so that they go to jail and potentially die. These are death row people. 13 people have died. So were any of them. What is her underlying motive for that? Just to get promoted? Or like I said, were these all minorities and she's just a racist white bitch because we know those all live in Oklahoma, Texas, Or it's a, it's a weird serial obsession of hers. She kills from afar. Yeah, maybe. You know? She's like a sick murderer too. Because guess what? There's an, a Law and Order episode about her. <laughs> <laughs> I found out. <laughs> That's awesome. Did she have a nickname? Yeah, it was Black Magic. Oh, Black Magic. Yeah. So she felt like she was like a superhero. <laughs> I don't know what she was. Here's the issue. We're killing a man based on DNA evidence. And as you can see, the DNA evidence is bullshit. It is not a direct match. There is nothing. 
how is he not taken off death row right now? Why is he still on there? And they're calling him a joke, like calling him a joke for saying, how dare you come after us with all of the advances we've had in DNA now to say that it's not you. And I'm like, well, you never had it to begin with. That's the point. In the 90s, you never had the full DNA to begin with. It's not, it doesn't matter the advances that are happening now. Your very sample is what's corrupt. This makes me lose all faith in our justice system, or at least in Oklahoma. Fuck, I'm never traveling to Oklahoma. No, Oklahoma like, is scary. I feel this like it seems very scary. Yeah, Texas, Oklahoma, Florida. There's a lot of scary places in America right now. So Ballard said that he's confident that Anthony did not kill Buskin. Yeah. Like he doesn't match the profile and that the crime pointed to someone with a propensity for violence, like his father. Mm-hmm. The physical evidence, it just isn't there. There's a lot of conjecture. He believes that there are things right now that can be done to clear his name. There is more evidence, but because his lawyers are not in possession of it or don't have the current right to see it because they're holding everything back, they're not even allowed to see the blood stuff. That's crazy. Not the full notes, you know, Mm -hmm. so they can't prove it because it's the fingerprints, the skin cells. Why not test that from his father? He's dead, but the medical examiner took everything. They have it. Right. They have this. They can test it. Because there were all those fingerprints, 44 to 49 fingerprints they found. They found skin cells. They found hair. None of it matches Anthony. None of it. So why is his father not even being looked at? Indeed, why? Ballard, though, says even after he started looking into the case, that there was a detective who actually considered Anthony's father. Okay. As a more plausible suspect in the beginning and started to investigate him, but it was shut down, (laughs) which is not suspicious at all. The other big one is the shoes. They really used this yeah, during trial, even though because one of his propositions was the shoes. Yes. When he appealed, he's like, you cannot use the shoes. Yep. You have no proof. That's not even my size. Like, I you mean, can't that- use the shoes. <laughs> alone. Yeah. So Anthony wears a size 11 and a half. OK, that's a big difference from a nine. That's a big difference. I mean, when you're 18, you're either like towards the end of the growth of your feet or right. you're within there. But no matter what, like, I think they say it's like 14 to 16, your your feet just stop. Like, they right. slow. So even if he wasn't 11 and a half yet, he wouldn't have been a nine. No. No. He no. was 18 years old. He was so, probably a nine at, like, 12. <laughs> exactly. 11 and a half a big, now. Yeah. But here's the difference between him and his dad. His dad was shorter, so maybe he had smaller feet. Smaller feet. feet. Would make sense. But he's asked a million times. He's like, just measure my damn feet. Yeah. <laughs> Measure my damn feet. I don't wear a size nine shoe. But because it wasn't really evidence that they're bringing up. It doesn't matter in their mind. It doesn't matter. Even though after all these years, the Nike shoe, like if you watch documentaries or anything, they always bring up the fucking Nike shoe. Yeah. Like it was the golden ticket other than the DNA. And I'm like, that doesn't even make sense. When Why go interview a bunch of people before charging him? Because the whole reason this shoe came into it was because of his ex-girlfriend saying oh he bought shoes he bought them for her and him and she even came to testify yeah he bought these shoes and they said but it's not evidence but they took copies of her diary and put it into evidence right I mean like every guy who was like 16 to 18 probably bought those shoes in 1996 I know poor Anthony just didn't realize that he had to scan in his receipt and show what size it was What, you know, he bought himself and his girlfriend. What if he bought his dad some shoes at the same time? Probably not. (laughs) No, his dad was a piece of shit. Maybe Uh, his dad just took his shoes. Yeah. (laughs) And then the other issue is the sketches, which I brought up. The one between David Kill and Janice. And Janice, guess who her sketch looks like? 
the dad, Glenn. And it's very distinct. And I trust Janice once again because she saw a lot more detail than the other dude. There's so many people who try to downplay this other sketch. They're like, oh, well, this came later and like she can't be trusted. And I'm like, but she drew, she tried to draw it herself. She just had someone else who did a better job at it. Right. And she had a lot more knowledge of it. And this sketch didn't come out after they knew the dad, right? Or did it? No, nobody knew okay, the dad. Nobody knew it the dad. It was two so. years later, but they're acting like. Like she brought it up last year. <laughs> right. Exactly. I'm like, no, two years later, this was 1998. It was still a cold case two years it after. It wasn't until 2004 that he was charged. Yeah. Anthony. Nobody knew who this other person was. Right. So I don't trust David. Like you're looking in a rearview mirror and it's night. Yeah. And you're in road rage, which means that you're like seeing red and you're not seeing everything perfectly when you're in that anger state. Yeah. They've proven that. And there's this woman. Women are just more observable. And he's a guy. (laughs) (laughs) I know. We sound like such man haters. We love any male listeners, just so you know. But I know I'm very nice to everybody and I'm genuine about it, too. But it is true. They've proven that women have better memories with those kind of little details and things. That's why you don't fuck over a woman because she remembers everything. I mean, there's jokes about it. I know. We just remember details in a different way. So this is the last thing I'm going to do. I'm just going to play another audio from his investigator because he kind of sums up why he thinks it's Glenn. Okay. David, why is Glenn Sanchez a plausible suspect in this case? Well, for starters, he confessed to killing Julie Buskin as late as last year uh, prior to uh, committing suicide. Glenn had a history of violence towards women. He had... When you're doing cases, one of the things you look at is propensity and prior behaviors and that the buildup. And when you don't see that with Anthony, you do see that with Glenn. You interviews that were done with ex-wives and family that Glenn was very violent. He was uh, he struggled with alcohol addiction and along with opioid addictions, he was known to become very enraged when he didn't get his way or things were not going right. Uh, bizarre uh, sexual behaviors towards women. And also going back to the apartment where the weapon was fired, that was Glenn who fired that weapon into the wall. And with that being said, he also, as I said, he confessed to it prior to uh, committing suicide to uh, his ex-girlfriend slash ex-wife, I believe. And then when you look at the sketch comparison that, I mean, it's almost a 100% match to Glenn. Again, I can't say always 100%, but it looks a lot more like Glenn, especially at the time. Then you have the fact that when Glenn was interviewed by law enforcement, he references Stanley Draper and going to Stanley Draper to fish. And the detective in the report states that uh, that it was right next to where they found Julie's body. Then you go back to another family member uh, talking to me and telling me that there was another incident with a woman that was assaulted and murdered around the same time. And when they, this family member and his wife saw that story, they actually called it in because they said the sketch on that case for the person looked just like Glenn. And those family members said that Glenn, they absolutely believe that Glenn was capable of it because of the fact that, you know, one, he's not always in his right mind, two, his violence and his behaviors, but also there was another sketch. So you have a potential, you know, that you have a person who's capable of this and that is willing to do it again or has prior. Then one of the other factors are when you get back to the DNA, you know, obviously Glenn is Anthony's dad, so there's going to be matches, but the matches should not be as complete as they are on some of the low types. But again, we don't know, when we look at these profiles, how well built they are. You know, we've done independent uh, testing and that's try to find out. And Lynn is over a 50% match to Anthony. A father can be, you know, around a 50%, but over is pretty rare, if ever. And one of the things when they do DNA reports, even to this day, 
they, when they do a finding, they'll say outside of a direct relative, the likelihood of this person being a match to a random person is, you know, now the numbers are, are, are really up there because of the way testing is done. But back then, you know, a random person and a uh, suspect having close matches was pretty, was even unheard of. So when you get into looking at Julie Buskin's DNA, Anthony's DNA, Lynn Sanchez's DNA, there's a lot of matching that shouldn't be there because Julie's not a relative. So there's a lot of things that point to Glenn. Also, the shoe print, you know, Anthony was a size, I believe, 10 at the time. This was a size 9. Anthony was over 6 foot tall. Glenn was 5'9". We don't have it yet to know his exact shoe size, but he was a lot smaller, had a lot smaller foot, and was even reported that when he would travel between Midwest City to Norman, he always took the back ways around and always went to Stanley Draper, so much so that his family, even after his death, talked about his favorite peer at Stanley Draper to go to which is not very far from where they found Julie Buskin. And that's not even the area he went fishing. The area he talked about going fishing was off a side road and went over by a dam. So he knows the area. He's got the propensity to violence. He confessed to it. And like we said, I get it that it could be, oh, yeah, that's convenient that he confessed and commits suicide and, you know, is a relative. I see that. But there's a lot more points that go back to Glenn Sanchez or more likely to Glenn Sanchez than there are even close to Anthony Sanchez. Yeah, so that convinces me even more. Yeah. It was him. He knows the area. He quickly went, he went there. He knew which he, bank yeah. to go to. He just, he thought he would be alone because probably when he's there, he's all alone. He thought it would be a good place. Yeah. It makes total sense that it yeah. was him. He's a shorter dude. So he had the smaller feet. Yeah. Was the DNA, you know, even though it was spliced or whatever, like there was some, you know, similarities in the DNA and it makes sense that it was him. Because they say, oh, he wasn't a match. And what you're saying is he wasn't a perfect match. And now you're saying that Anthony was you because you can't go back. You chose your victim and you don't want to look bad. Yeah. And the gun also like that bullet was definitely from the same gun. And to know that it was his dad's gun totally makes sense. Like his dad did it. Yeah. And that's probably part of why he committed suicide. He probably Julie wasn't the only one he killed. As we heard from there. There's probably other unsolved crimes in the area that could be probably this other one that they said, hey, yeah, now I, I wish I knew what that case was. Right. We could look it up because, yeah. yeah, So he lived with it. Maybe when he got sober, he felt guilty and then he had throat cancer and he killed himself. But the fact that you would let your child go on death row, like this guy is just fucked up. Piece of shit. Dad, like of the year. Yeah. Deserves an award because God. And, And now like I feel so bad for Anthony. He had a shit dad. Yeah. Who probably abused him, as you said, his whole life. And then he's 18. He finally gets out of the house and now he's in jail he's about to die it would take a miracle we have two days i don't know i don't know one of the biggest things too that is really rocking the area is it was a crime that wasn't committed on chucktaw land but the oklahoma state penitentiary is on chucktaw land so they don't want him murdered yeah but they're gonna execute him on the native land and so that probably goes against something in their order jail is yeah you know and they've tried to stand up to it. Nothing's happening. I mean, all of Oklahoma is on Choctaw land, if we are honest. <laughs> so that's where we're at. And I don't know. It sounds like Oklahoma just doesn't care. The only thing that gives me some hope, and I don't know, because he's not white, it's not the same thing, is they were able to take those other people off death row for finding out that something was wrong with her thing. But they keep saying that they retested, retested. It's him. It's him. It's him. I don't know. Maybe some appeal will come through. So I keep saying two days, 
because I know that this episode comes out on the 19th. We're right. recording this before that. So whatever happens between now and now the, and 19th. the 19th. We usually record a week ahead of time at yes. least. So there Maybe. may be something yeah. that happens between now and his execution date. I don't know. So we'll just have to update that on our next episode. What happens? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe something will come through. Maybe a miracle will come through. Or he's gone and we'll always wonder because nothing will happen after that. I mean, they killed Sean Sellers. They did. But he was guilty. He was guilty, but it was for a crime that he committed when he he was was mentally unwell. And and it became illegal to do that after that. Right. So here we are. This is sucks. like back to Julie for one second. Oh, definitely. I was just about to go there. So that's funny. Go ahead. So, you know, a lot of this was about him, but it's all because of what happened to Julie. Julie had everything going for her. She had an entire life ahead of her. She seemed like, wow, like she would have been just the greatest person to have her little dance studio. She seemed really committed. Everybody loved her. It was a really fucking shitty thing to happen. And she did nothing to prompt this. Nothing. Like she was not like out doing anything, you know, because we always love to victim blame. Like there's nothing you can nothing. even find she here. She was to literally blame. covered head to toe. Like Turtle she didn't even sweatshirt. Exactly. Yes. It was cold. There was nothing to say, hey, short I want skirt. This. Yeah. I want this. However you guys want to say it sometimes. Right. There's no reason for it whatsoever. It was a completely senseless act. And that's why I'm like drunken person. It makes someone sense. on something. Somebody just randomly going yeah. by who has violent tendencies. Yeah. Has probably done this before. It sounds yeah. like. And I think it's the dad. I think it's Glenn Sanchez. I think he so killed I. her and justice is not going to be done. And it's now it's not going to be done. And his now son they're all going to be dead. What can we do? There's nothing else that we can do for it. And his son's going to die for his father's actions. And it gives me more reason to push pause on the death penalty. Yeah. Because of cases like this and numerous others of this like fucking black magic bitch. <laughs> That's what I'm going to call her. Black magic bitch. (laughs) Joyce. (laughs) Just trying to get promoted or maybe secretly like sadistically enjoys having people sent to the death penalty. We don't know what her motives are. I think so. You know, it kind of black magic kind of just makes me think of Black Widow. You know, I had the name Black Widow for pool, but Black Widow. It's like you weren't killing people, were you? You were killing them in pools. (laughs) (laughs) But it's hard to not feel like somber at the end of this. No, this is a sad story. Yeah. It's sad for Julie. It's sad for her parents. It's sad for potentially Anthony. And he has a child. Yeah. For all we know, that child now doesn't know him as daddy. Maybe that. Who knows? Who knows? But, but his story could have been much different. He yeah. would have gotten out from burglary because you're stupid when you're a teenager. Yes. He could have turned his life around and been a good dad. Who knows? Whatever happened, like he didn't ever have the chance to maybe turn it around and don't we say that's the whole purpose of jail is to turn people like we're supposed to be reforming? It's not true. That's no. just the prison system in America is a moneymaker. Yeah. And we have a lot of people who go into law enforcement for the wrong reasons. Yeah. They like the power trip. Yep. They have ulterior motives, whatever that may be. Some of it's, you know, like I said, power trips, racism. I'm trying to think of other motives. <laughs> but I feel like those are the ones we hear the most. It really is just that. It's yes. about... Some people do go into it thinking, oh, I'm doing the right thing. And they're trying to change the world. And they are. Because I don't believe that every cop is bad. No, I, I don't just either. feel like as a collective in areas, there becomes a an agreement to a way that certain things are done in each city. Yes. And even if you joined in a good way, you get you're required mm-hmm. to play ball. Follow the pack. <laughs> yep. 
So then everything becomes corrupt. So when we talk shit about cops and stuff, I'm not talking about individual people. No, I know. Unless I know an individual person. I know personally know. some right. cops that are good people and they do good things and exactly. they help, you know, domestic violence situations or children that are in horrible situations. But like, most departments are corrupt in some way or another. Mm-hmm. So that's what's really fucked up. We can't depend on the departments. You as an individual person only have so much you can do, but you also have all the power when it comes to racism and what happens in those situations. But as far as a conviction or a charge or something, that's beyond you at that point. Right. So there's just these levels of corruption and there's like no way to penetrate it and change it. It's very, very difficult. Like unless some magical power puts a good person in a really good place and it's just not going to happen. And the truth of the matter is if you ever watch, there's a documentary, I think it's called the 13th on Netflix, you will see the whole purpose of policing and everything that was started in the United States. It was not started for good reasons. Yeah, of course not. And so you've got that. That's the origin story. What was that one gang who decided to become their own police in Bodie? Booty, oh. <laughs> not Bodie. Booty. Um, in Booty, California, they were called no. the 601 Vigilante Committee. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I don't know why I started singing a rap song or whatever that is. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. They wanted control. That's all it is. Mm -hmm. It's the people in control that need their little goons to walk around and and make it it the way that they think society should be. Not they're never like thinking about like the whole and the good of everyone. It's always like their own personal vendettas. Because if you think about it, a police man or woman, they're the first point of contact. They are the judge, jury and duty in that moment. There are multiple stages of what happens when someone gets into the hands of someone else. And I guess I'm thinking more about like traffic stops and stuff like that. Right. Right now. Everybody has a level of power and we're dealing with individual people at all levels. Correct. All levels. But when you get higher, they already know what they want to do with everything. Yes. So these people kind of moving up, it, it doesn't really make a difference. So there are good cops but you are part of something much bigger than yourself. Of a corrupt system. Exactly. Yes. So when we're talking about cops and corruption, all of this, it's mainly the collective of it. Yes. If you're a cop listening or something, we're not talking we're about not you. We're not saying you're bad. And we're not yeah, talking about even you. when I say fuck the police, I mean as a system. Well, yeah. Fuck the police as a system. And we know you're and just doing your job. there are individual people. Like when we bring up corrupt coroners and stuff like this and this chemist, it's the people who have control in manipulating data or details that convict someone in a wrong way or something else. Like, fuck that. Come on. You can't get mad at anybody for being mad about that. No. So. Fuck the police. I'm just kidding. <laughs> One of my good friends that I know listens to this podcast, her husband is a policeman oh. <laughs> and I love him and he's a good man. Yeah. And I've heard very touching stories about what he's done. So I'm not talking about him. Nope. Not him. All right. So just to end with Julie, Julie was very, very loved. The University of Oklahoma actually memorialized her. They offer a dance scholarship in her name. That's sweet. Hopefully that keeps going. Yes. Because I feel like the way that this was done, if Anthony is not it, all they've done is stain her even more. It's just made it worse. Yeah. It just sucks. So that's the story. It's still ongoing. 
if you feel that Anthony is innocent, there are petitions and stuff that you can go sign. I don't know what good it's going to do. It's so late in the game now. I know. So, but there you go. This is current. That's it. Well, I liked hearing the story. I won't say I liked the story <laughs> or this was hard. a good story. I know. This, I don't know what to say. I mean, this brought up a lot of emotions, a lot of feelings, a lot of thoughts. Obviously, you guys heard those yeah. <laughs> from us. Um, but it's it's an important story it is. to be told. You know, horrible things happened to Julie and she didn't deserve it. She was a sweet girl just living her life and it was plucked away from her. Literally. In a horrible way. And she should have gotten justice, but I don't feel like we're seeing that happen because I don't believe that Anthony is the one who did it. It's a hard one to leave. This is so hard because I know it's, it's a hard one to leave because yeah, we don't know. And you can go watch something. If you go pull up something on YouTube or a documentary, they're going to say Anthony is it like that's it. But you have to get down to the nitty gritty evidence to realize they literally are killing someone off of almost nothing. That's so And scary. if they say that it's because of DNA evidence being so great. Great now, great, but it doesn't matter when what you started with in 1996 is literally almost it's nothing. contaminated, and we it's don't have anything to test. So you have yeah. nothing. I don't know. Now I'm feeling like you know all these slam dunk cases with DNA and anything like just like all the lie detector yeah, tests that right? we thought were so credible, we question those. Now I question a lot of DNA things because because there's a person behind this shit who can fudge a fucking report. You keep saying, oh, it's 100 percent. I'm like, no, there's a person who wrote that. Well, you know, it'll be much better, Jessica, when AI is running the but police department. But that's the point. It's also computers <laughs> that scary. write that. You're acting like something cannot be manipulated. It can totally Everything be manipulated. Everything can be manipulated to fit what they want it to say. Right. So, And then we go into our conspiracy theories and all of this. Like any of us could be framed at any time if they want we to. We need hugs. I'm just kidding. Because mm -hmm. we're right. We could all be framed if somebody wants to get us. Oh, what did my daughter say to you? It was a joke. She had this book. <laughs> <laughs> it was like jokes why for nine-year-olds or something like that. I can't remember. Yeah. It was like, why did the picture go to jail? And we both were like, because it was framed. She's I like, guess hey. <laughs> how did you both get that? And oh, I'm like, it's so easy. You should listen to our podcast more often. <laughs> but you shouldn't because you are way too young. <laughs> exactly. She did tell me that she liked one of our podcast well, stories. It's because every now and then, because I, you know, we're editing, we listen to the episodes, right. like we're trying to find things. So like every now and then I'll have it in the car. It's usually like the openings when me and her. Yeah, just we don't say anything bad. Chitter there. chattering or whatever. We haven't had enough wine to start dropping the F bombs <laughs> yet. <laughs> and um, I had Bodie on. She said it was her favorite. She's like, Bodie was my favorite. And it was just when Kendra was talking about a bit of history and there's never anything. I never let my daughter listen to anything <laughs> bad from anything. And she's like, why can't I listen? And I'm like, I don't know. But you know what you have that a lot of other people don't have? Even if I die, your mommy is everywhere and you get to listen to me when you're old enough. It's very true. We are forever now. We are forever. Until the apocalypse. Until the internet goes down next year. No electricity, <laughs> all that bullshit. Anyway, we're going to leave on that, on that bright note. I just want to say thank you all for listening. Thank you. And uh, please, 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 please go on your favorite podcast platform. Leave us some ratings. Leave us some comments. Help us get that exposure out there. I really just do want some ratings and some comments. So I'm not going to ask you for anything else other than lab reports this time. Yeah, we want those too. Please. Because we have a lot of listeners and we have people who comment in other areas, but like in places like iTunes, the Apple podcasts and stuff like that, that's, there's not a whole lot of places that allow you to rate it, rate it and review it. So if you can find those and just do us a quick solid, we'd really love that. 
but send us your lab reports, anything, lucidlabpodcast at gmail.com. And we're just going to say bye now. So, yep. Goodbye. Bye bye. See you later. Next week. We'll be back next Tuesday. Goodbye.